Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 373. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what's up? How are we? <laughs> I'm, I'm alright I suppose. It's, it's uh, last weekend was a really humid weekend and then almost instantly like two days later it was it was like oh it starts it, I feel chilly now I have to put on something that isn't just a pair of shorts anymore. So that that transition happened very very fast. Gotcha. It it's still pretty warm here. That's what life in the desert's like, though. Uh huh. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, how many things are you clicking? Stop clicking your goddamn mouse! All we've had for the first minute of this show is you clicking. Because so, because I'm looking at covers. Um, while you were gonna do the open, because uh, I I moved my mic around so you couldn't hear the click as much. But now it's picking up everything. This is great. <laughs> the whole here is click, click, click. Anyway, everyone, this is a DC Comics podcast. Welcome to the show. Uh, we are obviously going to talk about DC books that came out this week. Uh, on today's show, we have Batman and Robin, issue one. We have Green Lantern, issue three. We have World's Finest Teen Titans, issue three. And we have Danger Street, issue nine. Short list. And if you're wondering where that Batman Black Label book is, it's funny because uh it didn't come out digitally until today because today mm -hmm. i don't know if you noticed this matt but today is batman day <sighs> that's why <laughs> yeah i got worried it wasn't on digital but i saw it at my shop and right i didn't pick it up physical so i'm running out of room yeah so i messaged pete later in the week i said hey that Raphael grandpa book what, what are we doing yeah, uh, so it came out today. Uh, we'll just roll it into next week's books because uh, I did have a quick glance at it. It does look yeah. quite good. Uh, okay. So, uh, yeah, we'll just do it next week's books. It's annoying because we have way more books next week than this week already. But luckily, I wasn't expecting this, but they actually mm -hmm. gave us solicits in time for this week's show. So at the very least, we get to do those this week and mm -hmm. we can just have more books next week. So that's the plan. We got four books to talk about and we got solicits. Uh, for for December for for Christmas season, so we'll see uh, what those look like in just mm. a minute. But hey, so yeah, you ever seen Columbo, Matt? Uh, 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 just one more thing, right? That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's that's. Yeah, that's yeah. He says that at the end of a lot of scenes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just watched the first episode last night, so I was just gotcha. I, th I thought one, one of my old supervisors was a big Columbo fan. Did you know uh, the so. first proper episode is directed by Spielberg? No way. <laughs> I know I know Spielberg directed uh, on the show. I didn't realize he directed the pilot. Well, it wasn't the pilot. Technically, there's two pilot movies, but then uh, season, season one, episode one. Um, really? Th throughout the whole thing, I was thinking, this direction's really good. And it got to the end and it came up saying directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, this was the same year that Duel came out in 1971. Right. So... Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, was, was this uh, was that Murder by the Book? Murder by the Book. That's the episode. All right. Well, I'm adding this to my. I I'm thought you that might. one at least. Yeah. Uh, well, it's on freebie for free, so you can yeah see it quite easily. Uh, there's a couple. Columbo's on a couple of my streaming services. It comes up because my wife watches a lot of true crime, so they think that mm. you know old detective shows line up in into it's, that. Uh, what's different about it is that it's not a case of who the killer is. That's not the... Like, mm -hmm. you know who the killer is. It always... Like, well, I've only watched mm -hmm. one episode, but I understand that it always shows you the murder in the opening scenes. It always mm -hmm. shows you how it happens. And then the rest of it's about how Columbo 
will prove it or figure it out and spot mm-hmm. the clues. But you're always in on who the killer is. Gotcha. So it's a little bit different in that respect. Yeah. I, I started to, I, that started like a monthly thing on Patreon where I'm going to review the episodes. Because cause they have like short seasons, but the long episodes, basically TV movies each episode. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah. I, th- I, just, I was curious. Uh, you know, according to IMDb, it says he was just 24 and they had to have Peter Falk um, approve him. And so they met beforehand, and Falk was like, yeah, I like this kid. He's going places. <laughs> so if you guys have issues with uh, Spielberg's career, uh, blame Columbo. Uh, well, given he's been dead for a while, he's not really there to answer for those uh, complaints. But uh, just a few mm-hmm. years later, he made a little movie called Jaws. So, <laughs> you know, clearly uh, things Peter worked Falk out. Knew his, yeah, uh, Peter Falk knew what he was talking about. Yeah, I've only heard nice things about Peter Falk. Mm-hmm. Uh from from just whenever anyone talks about him in the industry but anywho mm-hmm. uh that's a slight colombo tangent but don't worry we're not going to veer too off course because of course we must start with matt's favorite segment um i i softened the blow by giving him a little stealth spielberg you did. Talk. i was wondering what was happening i was like oh i'm going to give him a spielberg <laughs> thing he may not know exists he's going to be all excited and then i'm going to hit him while his guard is down yep. with the comicsology like when- top 10 it's like when my uh, parents took me to Outback to tell me they were getting divorced. <laughs> <laughs> Got all excited. Uh, it's the best day of my life. Steak, yep. baby. I, I oh, can get whatever I want. I was 11. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we're looking at the top 10, which is basically just the ranking of the books that came out this week. They're separated by day, so we'll look at Tuesday mm-hmm. first, which is the DC day, and then Wednesday for the rest of the industry. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Ma, you got any guesses for what number one was? Guessing that it's Batman Day and that it was a new number one, I'll say Batman and Robin by Josh Williamson. It was Batman and Robin, but it, mm-hmm. it's a Batman number one. I don't think you can really be that mad uh, at it. I'm not I'm not surprised. Yeah. Uh, however, the content within that book, we'll, we'll get to it. We will get to it. Uh, number two is Green Lantern issue three. Number three is Superman Lost. Number four is Teen Titans, or World's Finest Teen Titans, I should say. Uh-huh. Uh, number five is Waller versus Wildstorm. Number six is Danger Street. Uh, number seven is Batman Incorporated. Number eight is Batman and the Joker, the Deadly Duo. Uh, you know, some books that I just forget exist when we're going through these top tads. What? Uh, that one's not listed on the Comic Geek, so that must be a different... That's a, it's a collection, right? It's a trade. Okay, there we go. Yeah, so it's $16, so it's just a collection. Okay. Uh, which shows you how few books there were out this week because we're already at collections. Mm-hmm. Number nine is a reprint of Paul Denny and Alec Rossi's Shazam Hope, or Power mm-hmm. of Hope, sorry. Uh, and then Batman and Scooby Doo Mysteries was number 10, which is a single issue, but that tends not to reach the top 10, uh, given mm-hmm. what it is. But hey, yeah, so there's nothing super exciting there. Uh, GCPD, the Blue Wall collection, came out uh, this week. Uh, that's mm-hmm. listed here at number 13. Uh, I would recommend that to people to check out if they didn't read it as it was if, coming out. As if I can uh, get some time, I'm going to visit that. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was good stuff. Uh, Connor mm-hmm. praised it quite a bit as well, so mm-hmm. I guess I guess the double recommendation. Uh, all right. Marvel. Mm-hmm. Or, or, well, not just Marvel. Technically, it's all the industry. Everyone but, else. Yeah, uh, but it's mostly Marvel usually. Um, what mm-hmm. do you think number one book in Wednesday was? All right, let's see. I see two X books. So, but I don't know if this is an event or a new title. So, cool. I'm gonna go out on the limb and say X Men Red Fifteen. Okay, yeah, that's correct. X Men Red Fifteen. Uh, 
Uh, it was it was Children of the Vault. So I don't know if that's a new comic or if that's like an event. Um, uh, there's actually there's, there's, $4. there's three X books actually. You're, you're missing one. X Force. Yeah. Uh, number two is neither of those, though. Number two is Daredevil issue one, a new run by Saladin Ahmed, who I actually did read uh, a couple of his other issues on. I think he did like some Miss Marvel, he did some Miles Morales, and they were entertaining enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so he's starting a new run on Daredevil. And uh, num- $7. It's just an oversized issue, one, I assume. Uh, it's yeah. the, the John Romita name there that's more concerning to me on the art side of things. Mm hmm. Uh dear, dear, dear. Uh, I'm glad he's not uh, a DC. Yeah, he's just doing a cover. It's Aaron Cooter on oh, the interiors. Oh, that's much better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just uh, like Comicsology because it's through Amazon now. Like, they they mm-hmm. sometimes they have the cover arts instead of the actual interiors on the uh, yeah. the, the chart page. And uh, number three is Child uh, Children of the Vault. Number four mm-hmm. is X Force. Number five is Avengers Inc. Issue one. This is a new Al Ewing comic, so that may be worth uh, having a look at. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six is Astonishing X. Sorry, Astonishing Ace Man. I just uh, Freudian slip because yeah. it is an X book. Um, mm-hmm. Number seven is Incredible Hulk. Number eight is Werewolf by Night issue one. Uh, number nine is Venom twenty five, and number ten is our only non Marvel book, and that is Undiscovered Country issue twenty five. So wow, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so that's the uh, the top ten. Uh, yeah, mostly Marvel, like four X books, couple of number ones. Uh, I know Werewolf by Night. They're putting that out again in color for mm-hmm. October. Uh, fair enough, I guess. If you want to watch that very mediocre bland special, you can do so now. Not oh, in black I, and white. I liked it. I, I liked how it felt like a B movie. Mm. I don't think it really did, though. To be honest, I don't think it captured that charm at all. But. Well, when I say it, it looked like it was shot like a B movie. I should say, you know what I mean. Like it had that. I don't know if it had the charm that you're looking for, but it had the visuals. I think. <clears throat> yeah, I was too digital because they still shot it on a digital video. They didn't shoot it on yeah. film, so yeah. I don't know. I I didn't really get much from it, but uh, yeah, uh, there's nothing super. There's a couple of Sonic books uh, in the top fifteen. In fact, mm-hmm. Sonic issue nine hundred. Is that what that is? Issue 900? That's, Na- that's not even... 900th Adventure. An $8 special. There it is. Yeah. Yep. That comes on. You have to scroll a lot on Comic Geeks to, Look, to find that. The Sonic comics aren't heavy hitters, but they have a very consistent audience that buy every mm-hmm. single issue. Those Sonic freaks and the furries, they're into their, their stuff. So that's where Bendis has been. And he's uh, over at Dark Horse now. Oh, I thought you meant so. I was like, he did Sonic? <laughs> no. no, there's a, a Murder, Inc. Bart, uh, book out. Ah. Uh, uh, all right, well, there's a the Top 10. Nothing super exciting this week. Uh, so we will go right on over to the solicits for December. Um, and if you remember correctly, last solicits, and I remembered, I did remember this, uh, mm-hmm. week one mm-hmm. of December was already mostly solicited in the November solicits. So I've not looked ahead in this. I'm assuming that at least a week of January is going to be in this one for the same reason because of Christmas. Yep. But uh, we'll find out. Uh, so first up is Superman issue nine. Uh, I don't know why that's first. That's I guess it's, it's something special. I mean, uh, Redondo art, I, I would say. That, that's we'll, we'll lead with that. I mean, but that's not why they put it up to the top of the solicits, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if, if he's on this, though, 
Who's on Nightwing? I don't know. You said that as if it was good news. It's not good news because that means he's not on Nightwing. As a Superman fan, it's good news for me because yeah, he's drawing Superman. But this is Joshua Williamson's Superman. This is not ideal. Yeah, but even if I don't read the words, it's going to have redundant art. I would rather have the good art paired with the good writing for, for <laughs> maximum effect. Right. Isn't Wait, hold on, but though. Isn't this during the Beast Planet stuff? So maybe he's not doing that event. On Nightwing. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe he's just taking that event off. That's possible. That's possible. But I'd rather he was getting ahead rather than, you know, wasting time yeah, with Joshua I, Williamson. I, I do feel like drawing the Superman book is something most artists would want to do, just to say they've done it. So if this is his, you know, if he has a short little arc, I'm, I'm okay. He can do it later with a better artist. I'm just, it's, it's, it's not yeah, just instantly better good. Writer. So a better writer, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I meant? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, so Superman issue 9, uh, we have Neil Before Zod issue 1, mm-hmm. uh, written by Joe Casey and art by Dan McDade. So, yeah, General Zod was Krypton's most notorious criminal. Now he has an entire planet to rule. But what happens when the most dangerous individual in the universe gets everything he ever wanted? Obviously, he wants more, and he'll stop at nothing to get it. And the most brutal series you'll read this year... This is not a hero's journey. This is a dark ride brought to you by the sick and twisted minds of Adventures of Superman writer Joe Casey and artist Dan McDade. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, Zod book, I guess. Sure. I, well, I, I kind of like, I I, liked in Rebirth, we've had Zod, on, you know, getting his own little planet, right? Uh, he was popping up in Green Lantern. Uh, what was that? Green Lantern Core? The Howling Pals? Um... I kind of like that. I don't know if I want to, like, Zod the Conqueror, you know? But we'll yeah. see. Oh, yeah. I'm I, give it a try. I don't think I know Joe Casey's work, so I don't have, mm-hmm. a, like, a, a barometer for quality here. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. This is kind of a random, you know, it doesn't... I mean, obviously, they've stopped telling us when they're miniseries in the solicits now, but this feels like a miniseries to me. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Yeah. Uh, we have Green Arrow, issue 7. Looks like Oliver's back to the real world. Uh, yeah. And Amanda Waller on the covers doing the evil turn over, looking over the shoulder like, oh no, I'm pissed about this. <laughs> yep. The Justice League's happy. Even Batman's smiling and it's creepy as hell. But uh, <laughs> Waller's not smiling. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, that's, uh, right now I'm just kind of like reading Green Arrow to see how much of a train wreck is, <laughs> if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Shazam issue 7 and it looks like Black Adam is uh, in the mix based on that cover so that's fun yep uh, that's good Dan Moore is still on art there nice to see uh, we got Batman Superman World's Finest issue 22 mm-hmm. uh, also Dan Moore how is Dan Moore doing all this? it's a good question he's a madman He's a madman. Uh, we're still doing Kingdom Come stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which we knew was coming anyway, but just uh, reiterating. Uh, so, very good. Uh, then we have Titans Beast World issue 2, continuing that event. Uh, and World Beast World 3 is also solicited here, uh, which is December as well. They're both December issues, which is which is fine. I, I don't mind an event double shipping to get it over with in a reasonable yeah. amount of time. I'm okay with that. Uh, so... Yeah, because that, that's the 26th of December, and issue two is the uh, 12th. So, yeah, that makes a bit, a bit of sense. Uh, we have Titans Beast World Tour Gotham issue one. 
Uh, so this is a 48-page one-shot. We have Chip Zarsky, Grace Ellis, Gretchen Feliker-Martin, Sam Maggs, and Kyle Starks. Uh, I only know one of those names, but those are yep. the, the writing team. Uh, so anthology, I presume, of just different things going on in Gotham during the event. Uh, same idea with the next thing, which is Titans Beast World Tour Central City issue one, which has got Cy Spurrier, E.L. Kaplan... Alex Pacnadal and Jarrett Williams uh, on the art team. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, on the writing team, rather. Um, and then we got Beast World Tour, Atlantis issue one. This name is really throwing me off because I, I keep wanting to say Beast World World Tour. And I get yeah. I get that's the point, is that they're combining it, but it's just throwing me off every time I go to say it. Uh, yeah, but Beast World Tour, Atlantis issue one. Uh, we got Cena Grace, uh, Frank Thierry, and Megan Fitzmartin. <laughs> Those are all three names I recognize. Yeah, although Megan Fitzmartin is not for the best reasons, I don't think. Yes. But still, I do re- although Federici is one of the artists listed on that. Mm-hmm. And Valentin Delandro. So far, the Aquaman book seems to be packing the most heat. Yeah. Although, that said, it has the worst cover <laughs> of the three. Uh, yeah. That's why is... It seems like Mara's proportions are off, right? Like... It says the cover. just the page. It says the cover art's by Mikel Yannin, but that doesn't look yeah. like Yannin to me. Does it? Yeah, it does. But it, it's not Yannin's best. Yeah, her face doesn't look like Yannin to me. I, I guess the yeah. rest of it kind of does, but the mm-hmm. face definitely doesn't. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, whereas Yannin did the other covers, actually. He's, he's done all three mm-hmm. of these, and the other two look way, way better. Yeah. The Gotham one's got Stefan Cass uh, on it, which yeah. is cool. So. With uh, what looks like uh, Nightwolf, Nightwing, running yeah. towards him. Yes, yes. And mm-hmm. then we got Titans issue six, which I mean, Travis Moore is still a good artist. Don't get me wrong. Like yeah. it's not, it's not that sad that Redondo's not doing it if Travis Moore is the guy filling in. But still, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So that's obviously tying in to be swirled. And then we have Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong issue three. Uh, so <laughs> it's a three-way dance, Michael. Um. We, so Oliver Queen here seems to be trying to take on Kong and is that Mothra? No, because no. it's got like a snake head. Yeah, but the wings are throwing me off though. I don't know who mm-hmm. who that is. But regardless, uh, maybe maybe it's a new. You know, it's a well. Like I'll, 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 Joe, I'll give you a Matt. Oliver Queen is the one Justice League member that Kong will probably beat. He is human. You could just scoop them up. Yeah. I mean, so. Uh, it says uh, Supergirl encounters Kong on Skull Island and one woman takes on Behemoth on the mascara. So maybe this is just one of those ones that we didn't get named in King of All Monsters. Or maybe it's just a new one. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Uh, I don't recognize it, though. Uh, we got Batman Offworld issue two. This is the Jason Aaron book that uh, was announced mm-hmm. uh, last month. Uh, so that's the thing. Um, and then there's a book where there's a title missing. Yeah. It goes straight into writer Joe Casey and Dan McDade. Although that's the same team as that other book. It's it's General Zod. It's the same as that oh, it's someone, is. Yeah, it's just, someone forgot to erase. They've just copy and pasted it in here for mm-hmm. some reason. Uh but we're missing a title for the next thing though. What's this uh, next thing? So this is issue two four, so this is the Silent Night um This is uh, the this, is the, this is the Batman Christmas thing. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah, this is Jeff Parker uh, with uh-huh. Michelle Bandini on the art. So Yes, I should two of four. 
yeah. this is a, a, I think weekly. Yeah, they're selling it issue three yeah. and issue four, which makes sense. They all have to come out before Christmas, otherwise it's weird. Yeah. So. Yeah, we have Batman and Santa versus the Krampus. This is gonna be great. I have to say I'm into it, and I like Jeff Parker, yeah. so mm-hmm. uh, very good. Uh, we have Batman 141 by Chip Zarsky. Uh, this is actually a week one January book, and there'll probably be a few of those. That I'm, I'm not. I'm gonna yeah. really point them all out, but some of the ones that we already got week one in December of, we're getting the week one in January's of. So, uh, I mean, yeah, Zarsky's run's not exactly been. Uh, scratching the itch recently, but hey. Uh, Detective Comics 1079. It's a very simple but stark cover of a cross mm-hmm. with a sunset behind it. Um, Obviously, Ram V. We got art by Jason Sean Alexander on this issue. Um, Detective Comics 1080. Uh, same team again. Also very simple, kind of, you know, minimalist cover is this rock I, formation that's making batman <laughs> yeah i really look like they're in monument valley that's very man it's i love that that looks cool yeah batman's that important that there's a a rock formation that just makes you shape in the desert that's bait i'm not taking it <laughs> hey, you said you liked it I'm, I'm just agreeing with you yeah um oh talk about minimalist covers nightwing mm-hmm. 109 uh uh, what's, what's his oh wait why, why did I say Travis Moore I, I, I was talking about Titans earlier when I, I was I was yeah, thinking you were. I, I was thinking Nightwing because you, yeah. you saw yeah you saw Tom Taylor I saw Tom uh, Taylor I saw yeah. Dick and yeah and <laughs> I, you went blind my 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 thought process jumped leaped to bounds yeah. Stephen Cause Byrne because this is a Redondo cover right yeah but it's Stephen Byrne on art yeah yeah uh but the the cover is Nightwing sort of diving into water, and the ripples mm-hmm. of his uh, swimming have made the Nightwing logo. It's very simplistic, but it's a very good, strong image. So I'm uh, I'm on board with it. Mm-hmm. You got Catwoman issue sixty. Uh, still teeny how we're done that. Got the flamingo, who I haven't seen since uh, before the uh, New Fifty Two. This is a, a Morrison edition to Batman and Robin. It's been a while. Uh, that mm-hmm. said, though, I'm not super fond of that cover. It, it's uh, very guilty of the the cat suit giving each boob its own yep. pocket, if you will, mm-hmm. and looks very, very uh, yes. st- stupid as well as over-sexualized. <laughs> uh, Batman and Robin. I love it's uh, what you call uh, stupid. That's how <laughs> that. We got Batman yeah. and Robin issue four. We have Batman the Brave and the Bold, issue 8. Uh, who have we got in here? Gillen March, writing and drawing uh, a story. Yeah. Uh, we have Kel Starks, Gabriel Hardman, and John H- uh, Higgins uh, writing stories for Andal Passarin, Gabriel Hardman, and John Higgins. So there's actually only one story in there that's a different writer and artist. All the other ones yeah. are all the same person doing both. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's vaguely interesting, I suppose. Uh, Poison Ivy, issue 18. Oh, no. What? what? Uh, Elaborate. It's it's looking like uh, Pam's with child. She does look pregnant on that cover. But and it does not look good because there's a very creepy hand coming towards her tummy. She's, so she's so been yeah. impregnated by a demon. Mm-hmm. We have Harley Quinn issue thirty-five. 
Uh, we have Outsiders issue two. Uh, so we'll see uh, how that pans out. It's an interesting mm -hmm. cover, though, with the octopuses yeah. coming up uh, yeah. to the bullet. Apparently called Monsters of the Unknown. So... Yeah. Uh, Birds of Prey issue five. Obviously, we really liked that first issue. Mm -hmm. So looking forward to more of that. The Penguin issue five. Same thing, really. Penguin issue one was really good. So uh, by all means, give it to me. Uh, Batman 89 Echoes issue 2 and Superman 78 The Metal Curtain issue mm -hmm. 3 so obviously those were just recently announced we have Action Comics 1060 uh, with Philip Keddie Johnson on the main story now you get Nicole Main, Steve Orlando and Joe Case. Joe Casey's uh, pop up on a couple of things also <clears throat> this is the first time I think we've seen Steve Orlando on a DC thing in quite some time mm -hmm. it's been a while yeah and to be honest, I've not really missed him because I wasn't super into mm -hmm. most of his stuff, but uh, uh, worth noting at the very least. Um, actually, I wonder, because it says Joe Casey and Dan McDade's on the art, I, I've got a funny feeling then that this is going to have a backup that leads into that Zod money. It, and you'd be right, because it says uh, the last sentence is, and Zod's son begins to suspect new Candor isn't uh, as peaceful yeah. as it seems in the prelude to Kneel Before Zod number one. Look at that. So, Got a sixth yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. Also, Constantine's on the cover with Superman, so I guess we're getting some yep. Constantine. Mm -hmm. uh, Action Comics 2023 Annual Issue 1, and this is by Johnson, so this is the, the regular oh. uh, writer with Max Rayner on art. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I always appreciate it when it's the regular writer on the annuals. Mm -hmm. um, looks like it's doing stuff with the whole Super family. Uh, so... That's cool. When when's that? That's out on the twenty sixth. So that's not a week five, but they're doing an annual anyway. Yep. So that's interesting. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe it's like maybe they wrote this earlier in the year and then realized there was no more week fives left and went shit. It's, yep. it's called the twenty twenty three annual. We have to get it out the last <laughs> week of the year. <laughs> Throw it out of the week of Christmas. <laughs> that said, though, could, would it really be that much of a trouble just to rename it to the twenty twenty four annual? Or maybe maybe Johnson sent his desk going, no. I've already got yep. a 2024 annual plan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, Batman Beyond New Gothic issue six. Uh, Wonder Woman issue four. We're still waiting on issue one of that later this month, so we, we don't know how King's Wonder Woman's shaping up yet, but that is a very, very pretty cover of someone doing graffiti of uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's really, really neat. Yeah. Uh, Amazon's Attack, issue three. This is the Josie Campbell book. Mm -hmm. uh, Flash, issue four. Again, that run's not started yet. We're waiting for issue... Well, not issue... Well, it's issue one, actually. Yeah, they are renumbering it. So uh, we'll see that later this month. Uh, Speed Force, issue two. Uh, yeah, looking forward to the second Speedster book. And the third Speedster book, even, because we also get Jay Carrick, yeah. The Flash, issue three. Yep. So, very good. Uh, Wesley Dodds, The Sandman, issue three, and then the other Golden Age GSA-style book is mm -hmm. Alan Scott, The Green Lantern, issue three. Oh, when I say Golden Age, I don't, I don't mean that it's in the Golden Age, but you know what I mean. Like, no, all, all Golden those, Age characters. Yeah. Uh, that's a really cool cover with the Spectre and Alan Scott. Yeah, it's very striking. Uh, all mm -hmm. the shades of green really pop. Mm -hmm. uh, it's probably the best of the covers out of those three GSA like tie-in books. Uh, but speaking yeah. of JSA, we also have Just Society of America, issue 10, yeah. uh, which, uh, you know, we mentioned some Michele Yanning covers before. He's back on yeah. this book. Because uh, I was wondering, because he wasn't on that last mm. issue, and I was wondering, yeah. if, is he just off now that the first arc's done? But it seems like he is back after, uh, 
yeah, I don't know if he's got one no. fill in or maybe a couple, but regardless. Uh, we have Green Lantern issue six, uh, notably the backup by Peter J. Tomasi, uh, mm-hmm. uh, a legacy Green Lantern writer coming back into the fold. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, also quite a nice cover on that one, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we have Green Lantern War Journal issue four. This is the John Stewart book by Philip Kennedy Johnson, uh, which again, much like a lot of these other issue fours we've brought up so far, we're waiting on issue one this month. In fact, some of these must be next week because we've only got a couple of weeks left of the month. Yeah. Uh, we have Power Girl issue four. We have Fire and Ice Welcome to Smallville issue five. We have Blue Beetle issue five. Uh, we have Danger Street issue 12, the final issue, and that is a very nice cover i would yes. it's a really simple cover it's like a group shot of all the characters with a giant dr fate helmet on a white background but yeah. given how much of an ensemble this book has been it's actually quite nice to see them all together like that <laughs> yep i'm just trying to see uh, all the characters so far so that's really cool i like that that may end up being the the cover right of the, like the trade the hardcover yeah i can talk yeah i can see that being the deluxe hardcover like mm-hmm image absolutely yeah makes a lot of sense then we have yeah. cyborg issue six hot girl issue six mm-hmm. uh and that actually says six of six so it is at least emitting some things or minis uh yeah. we have world's finest teen titans issue six we have harley quinn black white and redder issue six uh which uh, does have a good cover actually that's a very kind of yeah. harley's in like a an old ball gown style thing and she's uh-huh. like, she looks kind of like classical, except the fact that half of her hair is red. Yeah, uh, I, say, I wouldn't even know it was Harley except for the red. Yeah. Right on there. But yeah. That's neat. Uh, Superman Lost issue 9, which is the penultimate issue, because it's a 10-issue mm-hmm. book. Uh, Batman Scooby-Doo Mysteries issue 1. Wait. That, that's been every month for years. I guess they're, mm-hmm. re- I guess they're renumbering <laughs> all of a sudden. Uh, and then we got New Teen Titans issue 1, facsimile edition... Batman 404 facsimile edition. That's the first issue of uh, year one for anyone mm-hmm. keeping track. Uh, same with 405 as part two, 406 as part three, and 407. Well, so, just, just reprint year one again, right? Well, I'm, uh, year one's always in print. They've just chosen to do facsimile editions of all yeah. four single issues because they're, oh. you know, they're important. They're special, I guess. Yeah. Um, who's who's that for though? Like, who's picking up the singles? I don't know collectors. I guess I don't know. Clearly, there's a market for these facsimile editions because they keep doing them. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, there's a, another single issue buried after these, which is uh, Superman: The Last Days of Lex Luthor yeah. issue two. So that is coming uh, on the last week of December. Uh, so, uh, luckily, I think for us, I think it mm-hmm. works out that our recording day is kind of like right in the middle in between Christmas and New Year, so it probably yeah. is fine. It probably won't get affected by the holidays, I don't think. But yeah, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong about that when we're closer to the time. But I don't foresee any heavy delays. Uh, so for the collections, we got Peacemaker tries hard. We got Batman Detective Comics Volume Two, Gotham Nocturne Act One. That's a mouthful of a title. Uh, mm-hmm. We have uh, Batman Justice Buster Volume Two. We have Joker One Operation Joker Volume Three. I don't even know what that is. Uh, we got Superman versus. I Meshi. think this is a, it's like the manga. Okay, we have uh-huh. Superman versus Meshi Volume Three. That also looks very manga esque. Uh, Night Tatters. Oh, everyone's favorite. Just, just skip it, guys. 
It includes 1 to 4, First Blood, and Night Sin. So yeah, the, the opening and closing, uh, plus the four issues, uh, plus the free comic day special as well. And then there's the tie-in collections. So how do they group these together? This is interesting. I'm always curious how they do this. <laughs> they have Night Terror's Dark Nightmares, which includes Batman, Catwoman, Detective, Nightwing, and Robin. So all the Bat Night Terror books mm-hmm. are in one collection. And then we have Nightmare League, which has got uh, Action, Green Lantern, Superman, Flash, and Wonder Woman. And that's it. Is it? Is that all of them? I guess that is all of them. They, no, yeah, I guess so, huh? Wait, no, maybe not. No, where's Zatanna? No, nah, there's definitely more. Maybe they're just splitting up over another month. Yeah, there's no, yeah. there's no Zatanna. I don't see Ivy. Yeah, yeah. Was Ivy in the Batman one? There must be at least one. There's probably two more, yeah. honestly. Uh, trying to think of some of the other books that are, are Titans. I don't see Titans. Titans, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, so there's yeah. at least one more. There may even be two more uh, in the mm-hmm. next list. Uh, we got Absolute Superman by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. So what is this? This is Action Comics 858 uh, through 863, 866, 70, Secret Origin 1 through 6, Action Comics Annual 10, The New Krypton Special, and Action Comics 900. This, this is a bit of a weird collection. It's like, yeah. It's like it's, the start of, uh, what, New Krypton plus, mm-hmm. like, secret, this, I mean, the Secret Origin mini on its own is, oh. you know, solid, but... Uh, yeah, hold on, uh... I was just looking for numbers, but it says it's also the absolute collects Superman and the Legion of Superheroes, Superman Brainiac, Superman Secret Origin together for the first time. So it, it, those are the, that's that's the first big chunk. They don't really go together though that well. Superman and Legion does because that leads right into Brainiac. Sure, but like then the run yeah, continued then, into other mm-hmm. things, and Gary Frank's right. not there for that. Right. Yeah, that's, that's weird. Yeah, I guess he wasn't doing uh, the start mm-hmm. of New Krypton. But then again, Jonas didn't even do much. New Krypton. He did like the first big special, and then they yeah. kind of get left to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird. So, so that's a weird collect because Secret Origin feels kind of. I mean, I, I guess you could say that that's meant to be the canon like origin story that uh-huh. goes with that run, but it still feels like an odd set, like without the rest of the run. It's very, it's very scattershot, right? Yeah. It feels. I was yeah. always kind of sad, actually, that run never properly finished. It just, mm-hmm. just kind of like he set up New Krypton, then he left to do other things, and, and, it, and it fizzled. Yeah, yeah. which is it was a real shame. A real, real shame. I love that. That's the Legion of Superhero story. I really, really like with Superman going and just the way that it ends. It ends on such a note that's very, you know, very emotional for me. So, um, but yeah, yeah, we got Fourth World Omnibus Volume Two, uh, all twelve hundred plus pages mm-hmm. of it. Uh, we have Batman Detective Comics Volume 3 Arkham Rising. Okay. Uh, so that's that. Uh, I think that's after the tower. That's, so that's the last. That was when Mackie mm-hmm. co wrote with someone, I think. Maybe. I'm looking because that's Stephanie Phillips listed there. Anything? Stephanie Phillips was doing backups. So I don't think that was a co writing. No, is this before the tower? I mean, it is the paperback. I think so. so yeah, so maybe the, this is like, mm-hmm. yeah, because they did the hard covers first. Maybe this is just them finally yep. doing the soft cover of the stuff that came before that the tower. Because it says the building was destroyed, but fear of the institution remains as the New Arkham Tower is under construction. So it's Detective Comics ten forty four, ten forty six, in the annual. Okay. So 
All right. Uh, hard to keep track of these things. Mm -hmm. This is the problem when they're renumbering the trades so constantly is that I don't even know yep. what Volume 3 means anymore. Yep. Uh, Batman Urban Legends Volume 6. So, uh, yeah, just collecting the last chunk of that, I guess. And then we got Creature Commandos Presents Frankenstein Agents of Shade Book 1. So this is Morrison and Jeff Lemire. So this is the yeah. New 52 uh, book, right? Well, at least partly, anyway. Yeah, when did Morrison do um, Frankenstein? Uh, Seven Soldiers Frankenstein limited series. Uh, that that'll be okay. Morrison, and then Agents of Shade one seven is Lemire. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, so that's yeah, that's just a soft cover. That's not a deluxe or anything. So it's just reprinting that mm -hmm. stuff so it's available. Uh, we have yep. Icon versus Hardware uh, hardcover. We got Mailstone Compendium three, so twelve hundred page soft cover, which basically oh, means Lord. this. Well, uh, that's fine for a hardcover because you have proper binding. Yeah, uh, that's for, what I mean. For a paperback, though, it just means the spine's going to be creased. To <sighs> shit. Yeah. Uh, Monkey Prince Volume 1 paperback. Nubia Queen of the mm -hmm. Amazons paperback. Static Shadows of Dakota hardcover. And then Flash Volume 19, The One Minute War. It's you know it's really sad that they're going to renumber this in because even, yep. the, even the collections have kept the numbering since the start of Rebirth. Mm -hmm. They're up to number 19. Uh, and that's it. That's the end of the solicits. That's it. And we're good. Okay. Well, it wasn't a super surprise. I mean, what, the Zod mini was, like, the only real, mm -hmm. like, surprising or new thing in there? Mm hmm. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Everything else just feels like comics as usual, you know? Yeah. Which, to be fair, that's not uncommon for December. They tend yeah. not to. With the exception of when they did Winter is Coming, mm -hmm. uh... That's not what they called it, is it? No. What was it? What was that? That was the the. It wasn't Winter's Coming? They couldn't have done that. Ju Justice League Winter. Winter's War. No. No, it wasn't Winter's War. No, that's a that's a Snow White and Huntsman movie. <laughs> and then I had Chris Chris Hemsworth and Jessica Chastain. Uh, what, what was that? Your obsession with uh, Jessica Chastain is. Um, I'm going to check. Very healthy, according to my therapist. Endless winter. There it is. Ah, <sighs> that was anticlimactic. But <laughs> let it be known, the event that happened like two years ago, whatever it was, over yeah. December, was endless and winter. That, that Silent Night one uh, can can at least be fun. You know, yeah, I guess that, Christmas cheer. I guess that's kind of an event, but we already knew about that from last mm -hmm. season, so that's why it doesn't really feel that yeah. exciting to find out about that. Mm -hmm. yeah i hope it's good all right well i guess we'll get into it then we'll look at this week's comic mm -hmm. books batman and robin issue one joshua williamson writing with simone de mayo on the art mm -hmm. uh yeah it's a joshua williamson book that that's my my opening <laughs> salvo <laughs> warts warts and all um all right so i'm gonna take this as a different direction i wasn't a big fan of the art in this it felt, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, like, it's not bad art. I just, I don't know if it's, I was reading it later in the night uh, when I was already tired, um, but I was having a hard time making sense of, of the direction of the art at times. And again, this might just be me, but it's also, it's the art seems very kinetic. Um, and, like, usually I'm, I'm fond of that, but this was just, like, it was a lot. Like, I felt like there was a lot going on in the art, and it was hard for me to focus on any one thing. 
I you don't. Know? I mean, I, I kind of get that last part to an extent, but I don't think it ever really bothered me. I mm-hmm. will say I really like the coloring. I think the mm-hmm. I think that the was coloring's really, a bright spot. Yeah, that was really on point. It's, it's moody. I, I think what was sticking out to me was how smiley uh, Batman and Robin mm-hmm. were. Um, yeah. Like they reference what's going on in Batman right now. They say, "Hey, yeah. given what's going on with the rest of the family right now in Catwoman." you know, it's good that we're sticking together, which does line up with that book because uh-huh. Robin, you know, Damien's the one who stuck by his side. Mm-hmm. But the way they're kind of fist pumping and smiling doesn't feel in, in tone with what's going on. Like, it feels like really, like in the other book, as much as it's not, I don't think it's very good, like okay. the right attitude to take with it is that this is really sad and depressing that we're fighting the rest of the family. But here they're like, no, nah, but father and son stick together. Give me a high it's five, young lads. Ju- yeah, just guys being dudes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. it's weird. Also, uh, the consistency right now of how old people are drawing Damien is all over the place. <laughs> he, he's either eleven or twenty three. Like, <laughs> there's, there's no in between. <laughs> no. Like it uh, is, yeah. It is. They, they used to do that with John too, right? but it was more towards the other end. He did either six or he was fourteen. Um, yeah. But you know, so at least they keep those together. But as for the story, there's there's pieces of it that I, you know, got excited for. I'm always, you know, I'm always excited to see Killer Croc, right? Because I think he's kind of an underrated Batman villain um, when when used properly. And so here, when he shows up with all of these other animal-themed uh, villains, uh, I was like, okay, cool. What's going on here? Yeah, it's not skipping uh, ahead, though, because I don't remember any of this, yeah. and I've not gotten there yet. You don't? <laughs> well, I think oh, that's that, what I remember the most. No, what I remember the most from this book, which I read yesterday, is that uh, Bruce is trying to get Damien to go to high school, and Damien is like, uh, what's my mission? Like, what, what, what am I trying to uncover? And he's like, nothing. You're Damien Wayne. You're going to high school. and so, Because all, all that stuff where you were on an island and you had people your yeah. own age to interact with, that actually seemed quite healthy for you. You should go to school and have friends and socialize yeah. and not be a little turd. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's the plan. So you forgot about the late part of the book. I forgot about the early part of the book. Yeah. So you put us together and, you know. Well, that's because I think the late part of the book is the inconsequential part for the most. Like, mm-hmm. that's just the, the generic comic action. The yeah. the actual advancing of the Bruce and Damien relationship yeah. and the idea that we may actually have Damien now going into high school and mm-hmm. actually progressing him forward as a character is the, the more mm-hmm. interesting part to me. I also yeah. kind of like the, the... There's a scene here where... Bruce gets up and Damien's like making breakfast and he's making tea and it's this mm-hmm. idea that he's actually learned a lot from Alfred that Bruce never yeah. learned. I actually thought that was kind of a sweet idea is that mm-hmm. Damien's doing things in a way that Alfred used to do and it's, you know, it's like, oh, he's learned from him in a way that Bruce never bothered to, to do. So I, I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I thought that was a nice idea. Um, it is what it is. Uh, but once you get to, you know, Killer Croc and he's, you know, gang of uh, uh-huh. animal themed villains Killer Croc and the Zoo Crew yeah which is the terrible trio are there although the little twist here is that they're not wearing masks mm-hmm. they actually have those real animal heads well, they have the animal head mask on and then Damien goes to pull off their mask and be like you're just a guy in a mask and and the fox is actually a fox yes. so that was a fun surprise yeah although um, I will say this I don't like, it was going to happen eventually but like I feel like we did a lot of good things between a few different books of, of like kind of building mm-hmm. up man bat is more of like a an anti-hero and 
this always happens yeah. whenever we do it was the same thing with Clayface after that great detective run with Tynan yep. where eventually someone just decided they wanted Clayface to be a simple villain again and yeah. never even like referenced the fact that he had all these redemption things going on it's the yeah. same here with Man Bat Man Bat had that miniseries he was I can't remember what the other book was he obviously was in Justice League Dark but all mm-hmm. these things built up Man Bat to be you know he's progressing he's, he's got it under control he's a complex character yeah, yeah. It, you know we, we're using this to talk about someone with anger issues or even like a, an addiction mm-hmm. and we're using it as an allegory and here he's just you know he's, he's a monster again he's chasing after Batman and Robin he's trying to rip off their heads it, you yeah. know it, like with no it's, I think like Hulk, there's a there is room for like Savage Man Bat, right? But the story has to be there, and it, you can't just have him be, you know, this this animalistic version again after we had you know like Combo Kirk, right? It, it, it just it, it just reeks of Williamson either doesn't know that they did all this with Man Bat, or he or just doesn't, doesn't care. care. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, the, Man Bat's one of those characters too that we could just have multiple people with. I mean, it is a serum, right? Like uh, technically, yeah. Right. I mean, we had Ninja Man bats under Morrison uh, for a hot second. So it, like, it just made me a little bit sad because it felt like mm-hmm. we were just throwing away any character development we had, and it wasn't that long ago. But it feels like if you if you tell a story with a character like Man Bat or Clayface, and then you go six months from not seeing them, some writer will just put them yeah. in as like a generic villain again without even <laughs> thinking about it, and it's just okay. They're just back to being this now with no. You know, no regression storyline, nothing that makes them snap and like turn. Mm-hmm. Which don't get me wrong, if they kept doing that every time, it would be equally repetitive. But at least there'd be something to transition yeah. to. Yeah. There was a book that was out that I, I got behind on that was the Gotham City Monster characters, and it was Killer Croc and Man Bat. Um, does that ring any bells? Uh, you talk about the one with Jason where it was like uh, the zombie. Like no, Squad? that was that was Task Force uh, Z. Um, there was another one, and I only remember reading the first issue, but it was you know it was Killer Croc, Man Bat. Um, trying to think who else was in there. I vaguely remember. I think that, that yeah. was that. I don't think that was after Task Force Z, though, was it? No, it might have been before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't. It's not coming up on League of Comic Geeks. Yeah. So. Um, but this this was giving me those kind of vibes. Like Croc has this like team of misfits and yeah, I just you know like I get that you know we can't have all of you know eighty years of Batman continuity always be upheld, mm-hmm. right? Eventually there has to be like cutoffs where you accept that we're in kind of a new era that's kind of going to forget what it wants to. But all mm-hmm. th- th- this character progression for Man Bat and then the same with Clayface a few years ago, you know like it got reverted with no fanfare like so quickly that it's like mm-hmm. like you're not rewarding the people who are actually paying attention and reading your books it's just it's just it's frustrating yeah. um so yeah so they have a big fight scene and the art is, is is good here i think the faces of the artist i will say are a little little anime at times but mm-hmm. um i think when it comes to the action it's pretty solid and i do think the animal heads on the villains do look quite good like the, yeah. the fox head looks really good uh so that's all fine uh and then the cliffhanger is uh just batman uh oh basically yeah so um one of the villains tags batman with something and a bunch of swarm of bats all come towards batman so the the cliffhanger is Mm -hmm. all these bats attacking batman and that's uh the cliffhanger for next issue uh so I don't know. As always with Williamson, I'm kind of mixed. Like I like some of the ideas. 
I think the actual like comic booky action stuff towards the end just feels it looks good, but it's it's pretty you know, there's not really much context for it to make it anything more than just a random action scene. So mm-hmm. you know. Not really feeling that. Uh I don't think the art overall is a net positive. I do think it looks quite good and I do think the colours are really strong and I think the action tends to look quite good. Um, the, the, you know, the, the faces I wouldn't say are bad sometimes I complain about faces looking a bit flat or whatever mm-hmm. that's not the case here they're just a little anime for my taste so I wouldn't say they're objectively bad it's just more my thing and I think that's partly why Damien looks really young in this book at times uh, so you know that's okay. uh, I don't know well, what else do you feel about it I mean just it's fine I just you know, the art kind of took me out just because it was very kinetic. And I was, again, probably just me, though. It's I probably shouldn't read it late at night, you know, uh, where I'm having a hard time paying attention to things. Um, but I don't know. The art, it didn't always hit with me. But I think that just comes down to personal taste. Because, again, there's nothing wrong with it. The breakdowns are fine. It's just some of the more fine-tuning and, you know, kind of maybe maybe it was lettering, too, of me not, you know, chasing where where the conversation was going and looking all over the page. So, but it's, it's fine. There's nothing like egregiously wrong with it. Um, I'm curious to see where it goes. So at least there's that, you know? Yeah, I guess I'm curious to, uh, I swear I'm burdened to just keep reading like six and sevens out of tens from Williamson. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I know. There's lots of good bat books. I'm never burdened yeah, like, by all those bat books in it because most of them are quite good. <laughs> no, but like some of them, like you're saying though, that's a lot of sixes and sevens. Oh, well, actually, like... Zarsky's not doing so hot right now either, yeah. to be fair. But yeah. Hey, but, but Ram like... V, Ram V's doing mm-hmm. stuff though. Uh, Wolf Ram V and Hart is knocking it out of the park. <laughs> by the way, that Gotham City Monsters book was called Gotham City Monsters and it was Steve Orlando. So funnily enough, when. when that must have been other... ages ago. <laughs> 2019 so <laughs> four years ago man bro i thought 2019 was last year let's show you where my brain went that, i'm pretty sure that's before any of these man bat uh-huh. stories i was referencing where he has redemption and i don't even think man bat was in there he might have been but apparently it's killer croc in frankenstein and clarion that's who's on the cover so all right um, well yeah what are you rating batman and robin issue one i'll give this a seven out of ten <laughs> I'll go six point five. I'm not convinced yet. I like the idea of Damien going to high school, though. Hopefully, they can they can do some stuff with mm-hmm. uh with that. That would that would be nice. Uh, all right. Green Lantern issue three. Jeremy Adams writing Zermanico on the art. Mm-hmm. So, uh, th- there is a slight blemish on this, just in the fact that end of issue two, that a cliffhanger get into night terrors, and yeah. if you did skip the tie-ins, um. And I didn't skip him. I mean, I only skipped the second one. But this yeah. issue doesn't like sort of answer what happened at the end of that plane or how they get off the plane. Mm-hmm. We're just kind of we've moved on. We're just things are just continuing. <laughs> it gave us an anyways. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I think that'll be quite awkward in the uh, the eventual collection. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, uh, so it starts off with a little flashback. This is back when you know. So we've been getting these flashbacks each issue of mm-hmm. like when he got his powers back. And the ring's failing him, and he's falling. There's a gorgeous page, this full-page yep. spread of him falling above the clouds uh, as the sun's rising. And he basically has to, like, try and just, like, get his willpower to make the ring work. He's just trying yeah, as he's, he's falling to he's his death. Jump, he's a, effectively, he has to jumpstart the uh, ring with his own willpower, um, which I like because it, it's um, 
reestablishing Hal as this guy that has a different relationship with his will than some of the other Lanterns, right? So he gets this mystery ring that um, keeps shorting out on him. It won't let him leave, like, the planet, right? Like, it's when he's getting up into the upper reaches of the atmosphere that it kicks off. And then instead of having, like, to charge with the battery, he's able to kick it back on by just force of will. Yeah, um, uh, obviously the last possible second before he splats mm-hmm. on the ground, yep. as you'd expect. Uh, and then he also notes that it works more like Abin Sur's ring, where he can make constructs that aren't just green. Because he does a green one, and then yep. he does a pink one, and then he actually makes one that is pretty much lifelike. We can still tell yeah. it's a construct because it's got a green glow around it, but right. it's, it's this deer that has actual, you know, fur, you know, color yep. uh, appropriately, all that stuff. Uh, to the point where uh, a cheetah, whatever it is, comes out and tries to eat it, and then Hal yep. makes it, like, you know, ten times as big. Massive. And, the, and yeah. the cheetah shits itself and runs away. So that was a thing that I wasn't aware of. Like, I know the Green Lantern ring has, has done many things over the decades, right? Not, not well, realizing well, that. Well, hold yeah. Before you say anything, I've got a pretty, pretty good sneaking suspicion here that this whole Abinser's ring could do this, mm-hmm. and that made it special. I've got a funny feeling that was a retcon later on to explain all this stupid shit Hal did with it in the Silver Age. (laughs) That's what I was going to say, because um, (laughs) Jeremy Adams is a student of the game in the way that John's was, right? Um, So I could see him taking something like that and canonizing it. Um, But finding that out and, and, you know, again, that's what makes this ring unique. Um, like it's able to phase shift the, the colors, right? That's why it's able to mess with the frequency and that's why the color changes and whatnot. Uh, and it's kind of, and it's also to me taking it away from the emotional spectrum, which I, I feel like we need a break from. Oh, sure. So, you know, so to establish that how can do other, uh, you know, not just green constructs with this ring, but kind of make holograms. Uh, I think that's a, a pretty fun I'm twist on fi- it. I am fine with visual trickery. Where mm-hmm. I draw the line is when he makes a construct that can do something. Right? So, so, like, he should never be able to make a flamethrower that actually fires real fire. Right. 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 That's where I, I draw an absolute line there. I hate that shit. <laughs> yeah. Right? Well, because uh, that's. Well, how does Alan Scott's work then? Because this is the green flame. Right. Well, yeah, but that's a green flame. That's just a, okay. you know. Okay. That was so just my example. It? Okay. How about uh, a bomb that actually explodes? No. It, okay. He, he can make the shape of a bomb. He can make it look like a bomb. Mm-hmm. He can even simulate an explosion with it, but he can't just leave and let it blow up. Like right. it's not going to. It's not, it's not a working. To, I always right. go back to the T one thousand. He can make knives and stabbing weapons, but he can't right. form complex machines that actually function and do things. You know. Right. Which is ironic, because he um, himself is a complex machine. Hal? No, no, no. <laughs> He's no, not complex. No, Hal definitely... Uh, anything but complex, as we see later. He, yeah. that boy, cannot take Noah for an answer. No, no, no. He's, he's a simple boy. Uh, yes. So we come back to present day, and Sinestro, who we know is around, mm-hmm. uh, storms into this, this skyscraper to speak with these two bigwigs, and it turns out they're aliens who are here in hiding. And mm-hmm. Sinestro... Well, first of all, he tries to threaten them with the power of the Legion of Doom. And my yeah. reaction to this was like, Sinestro, what are you talking about? The Legion of yeah. Doom has been gone for ages. And sure enough, these aliens say, wait a minute, the Legion of Doom is not exactly yeah. a thing anymore, Sinestro. What the hell are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, so, Luther's in jail. Who knows where the rest of them are? You're here. You're looking like a bum. Yeah, although I will say, this hologram that he pops open of the, the Legion mm-hmm. of Doom, 
punchlines like right next to Lex Luthor and I'm like come on now let's not pretend she's like up there yeah. with you know the whole point of the Legion of Doom is that it's mostly the nemesis characters from uh-huh. each of the the heroes yeah. like punchline like, I, I don't even I don't care about her being on the team but let's not pretend she's in the the, the, the main seven if you will I feel that it was just a you know shout out to Tynan from from Adams right oh, or Zermanico maybe who knows I'm just you know like I mean, I suppose technically I don't see a Joker, so maybe she's there to replace the mm-hmm. Joker, which I guess makes sense. But still, uh, but basically he wants to he wants to get a team, and he blackmails them with information. He's basically like, "I'll tell the Justice League if you know if you don't do what I say." Well, not just the Justice League, but whoever these aliens are, they're part of a bigger thing. Right? He's like, "You don't want me to run and tell them that you guys are messing around here, right?" So yeah, they they decide to work with Sinestro instead of against him. Yeah, no, I mean, it's not so much that he's going to tell them. He just says that telling that the heroes will mm-hmm. lead to them finding out because they're mm-hmm. they're here in secret, not only just from Earth, but also whoever they're running from, whoever, yeah. you know. So they basically give him a team, and it turns out to be, like, King Shark. Uh, is that the, the, the Shaggy Man? Oh, I, have to, I have to relook. I read this early in the week. There's an octopus um, and then a green dude. I, don't, yeah. I didn't recognize the green dude in the octopus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might not even of recognize it. Yeah. King Shark's the only one that stuck out as being really one that I, yeah. I, I knew for sure, uh, which does lead to a great panel here. So basically, Sinestro's using this team to break into uh, Ferris Air uh, for mm-hmm. unknown reasons. We don't know why he's doing it, and we don't even really know by the end of the issue why he's doing it. But there's a great panel of like just like security guard's legs sticking out of King Shark's mouth. And <laughs> that, that that gave me a good chuckle. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. So, uh, all good. But yeah, he he breaks in to where all the uh, jets are, and we don't see what he does. He just smiles and says "perfect," and that's the end of the scene. So yeah. we don't know what he's done, and that's still up in the air uh, for for the rest of the issue. No pun intended. Yeah. Uh, so, how's a baseball game uh, pitching for some kids? Uh, and he kind of manipulates the ball a little bit so that the kid uh, who's who's batting uh, has yeah, a home run. But who has no confidence. His name's uh, Stewie. So, you know, Hal kind of gives him a softball so he can look cool in front of his friends, which I like. That's a very Hal Jordan thing to do. Well, it's not just a softball. He literally changes... Because it's, like, you know, it's a construct ball, well, and he literally changes the trajectory at the end so, yeah. it'll, so it'll hit the bat properly. Th- that's what I mean by a softball. He gives it to him right where... It's gonna hit. I, I know, but like a softball is just something anyone could. I, I'm just saying it's specifically using his powers mm-hmm. to make it. You know, yeah. he alters the path so that it'll hit properly. Um, so sure enough, he has a home run. It's a whole thing. But Carol texts him and says they need to talk. Mm-hmm. And Hal, being the idiot he is, is hoping this is her begging to get back together, because of course that's what Hal Jordan thinks. Mm-hmm. And. I think my favorite thing about this whole issue, honestly, is that when Hal shows up at the airbase and he gets on this this jet with her, uh, and they sit down in their, their seat, um, she whips out the secu- security footage of the airbase and says, hey, three of my employees were killed last night, several more were injured, and we see this, like, you know, digitized security footage of what is clearly Sinestro. Mm-hmm. And my favorite thing about this issue is how the tone of their conversation and Hal's attitude completely changes once he sees yep. that Sinestro's around and involved. Because the way he sits down next to her, he stops flirting, he stops making jokes, he just promises that he'll find him, 
And then there's a moment of silence, and he says, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. And I just, I felt that weight in the conversation. It's like, okay, this was all fun and games, me trying to win you back, but I'm not going mm-hmm. to push the foot around here. This is serious that he's here. And let's face it, I agree with you. This can't be a coincidence that he pops up yeah. right after I came back. So, like, this is something that I have to deal with. Um, and my only complaint of the issue, probably, is that it ends really abruptly after this. You know, like, Hal's at a bar, mm-hmm. and Sinestro just shows up and says, Hello, I hear you're looking for me. <laughs> and that's the end. Like, that feels yeah. too sudden to me, given that Hal just found out he was around. But... It's a minor quibble in the grand scheme of things, but it's the only thing in the issue that I don't really like that much. Everything else I was quite into, but I really like that conversation on the plane. Yeah. Yeah, because everything, as soon as he shows up and she, he's like, hey, where's where's Nathan, who's her new fiancé? Um, and then she says, you know, uh, he's finishing up the deal with the Pentagon. And I was like, oh, great. We got we got contracts. You're, you're doing contracts again. This is awesome. And she just kind of has to snap him out of his little Hal Jordan charm fest. You know, um, and then that's when they get up onto the the um, the plane, and he sees that footage, and and uh, Sinestro with whatever you know laser gun he has, looks kind of looks right at the camera before it, yeah. he takes it out. And she points out as well that nothing was taken, like mm-hmm. nothing seems to have been stolen. So I mean, I guess the assumption I would have is that he sabotaged some of the planes or something, yeah. or he wanted to see something that was on the plane, like flight record or something. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. It was, it was definitely sending a message somehow. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, I think, you know, it, it, like you say, Hal shows up and he's turning on the charm. It's almost like one of those scenarios where someone shows up and they're cracking jokes, but the other person mm-hmm. is about to tell them that someone's died. And yep. the, 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 obviously the tone has to change once that information comes out. Mm-hmm. That's what this felt like. But the, uh, here, the purpose was to sell you that Sinestro being here is a big deal. And yeah. as far as Hal and Sinestro stories go, I've basically not seen anything with those two connected to each other since the end of John's run because I wasn't reading uh, Green Lantern Core. You know, I was reading mm-hmm. Green Lanterns during the early rebirth. I wasn't reading the other book. Um, so I'm excited to finally get back to that and see what they do with it here. Um, yeah. I hope it's not just a straight Sinestro's being an evil. I hope it's a bit more complex than that. I, would judge, yeah. you know, I, I trust Adams probably is doing something more complex yeah, than that. Yeah, because the thing I do like about Sinestro is, is you know, I'm not a big fan of the constant need to rehab villains, right? But the fact that Sinestro used to be the Screen Lantern and he believes in order so much, right, is that you can talk to him into doing, like, heroic things and not being that dictator version, Right. That we see, and the guy that overtook Korgar, um, and just the fact that he's kind of like the, this fallen mentor for Hal, and that when they team up, they can do good things, you know. So I'm, I'm hoping that's what more of this is. Like he, I'm hoping he. Sinestro has a plan, and the plan's not to be dastardly, right? He's not twirling his mustache, is he's actually trying to cause some type of change, and he is going to need Hal for that. Yeah. Although he was letting his goons just kill people. He, you know, yeah. so like it's not like his hands are clean either. No, no, no. But that's and, and you know the type of character uh, Sinestro is. He's like, yeah, you gotta break a couple eggs to make an omelet. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's so, it's it is interesting. I I'm curious to see what they do with this. It's a shame we had to take this two month break right after yeah. issue two. But um, I did enjoy this issue. Like I say, him showing up to talk to Hal that quickly did feel quite so like i almost mm-hmm. wish it just ended on the, the moment after the i'm sorry like i i know yeah. like, like i know it's a page out or two pages early but like 
I almost think that would have been a better ending, and then you could start the next issue with Sinestro just showing up to talk to him. That would have mm-hmm. worked better for me, I think, than doing there's, it the there's very that next and page. We could have we could have filled those bar pages with Kilowog. Like, what, what's he up to? Living out in his trailer. Well, other than uh, cheering at the baseball game. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, just you know, give a little character uh, beats there. Yeah. Um, it, and also, like, not, nothing against Philip Kenny Johnson in this story. With, I, I kind of... I don't hate having the backup, but I kind of just want more of, of this Green Lantern story without the backup. Well, yeah, we're on know? the backup now. To be fair, though, I actually like this backup the most of the mm-hmm. three because this one revealed some context that was missing yeah. up until now. So mm-hmm. you've got uh, John Stewart and this all green kind of version of him with this rookie Green Lantern, and the rookie's narration is basically, yeah, this is the best. You know, I, I grew up wanting to be John Stewart. He's the best that mm-hmm. ever lived, all that stuff. And he's fighting um, this evil bitch. The, the Radiant name? Dead. Uh, no, what's the woman's right? name? Uh, uh, the Revenant Queen. Revenant Queen, yeah, the leader. Uh, so he's fighting her, and she escapes, right? Mm-hmm. And then this John Stewart turns to the other guy and they basically explain that she just escaped through the multiverse to a different universe and this is where we realize that this isn't the future this isn't like our john stewart in the future this whole Mm -hmm. story that we've been seeing that we've not really understood that much is actually an alternate universe because the little Mm -hmm. cliffhanger here before it cuts to our john stewart is that hey you have to go through and find this other earth and find my this other version of me mm-hmm. because wherever the Reverend Queens went, she'll be going after that John Stewart. She'll go after mm-hmm. him. And that's when it cuts to John Stewart like on a call with Guy, uh, mm-hmm. talking about, you know, trying to be there for his mom and the fact that he's still kinda like you know, she can tell that he's missing the stars, that he's missing going off and yep. being a Green Lantern, but he's trying to be there as she's like in her in her sort of final years. Um so I actually really like this in the sense that i like what it's set up even though it doesn't necessarily make up for all the kind of like dull fighting that was happening before that i didn't really understand i feel if that was like a a one shot or that was the issue zero of the war journal i think it would have read a little bit better probably yeah chunks if it wasn't split up into the three chunks Mm -hmm. yeah that's probably true it still probably wouldn't be amazing though but i think this ending because it defines some context and sort of solidifies how of the john in present day Mm -hmm. which turns out to just be john in our universe how he connects Mm -hmm. to the rest of the story now which is the the, and the the truth is is that he doesn't yet like that's what's going to happen in the main book i think that's made me more excited for this story and now that we have this context the good thing about it is that when the Reverend Queen shows up or this like alternate Earth Green Lantern shows up to talk to John, John's going to ask all the questions that we want to ask. He's going to mm-hmm. say, who are you? Where are you from? Who is this evil Reverend Queen? What is, why is she a threat? We're going to get all those answers now because our John Stewart's going to have to ask all those questions. Right. He's, he's just as blind as we are. So honestly i think this story is probably going to be quite good now it's just that this three-part backup was yeah. a bit weird and it was hard to get into it because it was kind of holding its cards close to its chest mm-hmm. uh, but that said i do think this third part was easily the best one because it, it clearly set up what this is going to be it made me more excited for it yeah the idea that philip Kennedy Jones is playing with the, the uh, multiversal villain for a green lantern character i can't think of any others so that makes me excited to read. Mm-hmm. Like uh, a lot of the Green Lantern stuff has just kind of been all playing in the same sandbox. So the idea that he has this, you know, the, the the Radiant Queen who can create the Radiant Dead, it's almost like this zombie horde 
yeah, type it's villain. Also, such a different thing that's going on with Hal, which is really nice. Yeah. It's like you know he's yeah. fighting. John's going to fight a multiversal enemy that's got these sort mm-hmm. of necromancy powers, and Hal's dealing with Sinestro and like staying right. in Coast City. I love mm-hmm. that they're going to be so different. I, like this has made me really optimistic about this mm-hmm. book that is about to start with John Stewart. Uh, yeah. You know, obviously we trust the, the writer because he's very good on mm-hmm. action, but um, yeah. th- this has made me really. Because I think the, the issue is is that the first two parts of this and even half of this one are basically like if you, this was a movie, they would be the opening scene where you'd get a little bit of the end of a war. <sighs> And then, mm-hmm. like, the villain would escape, and it would be like, okay, this sets up, this is, like, the prologue scene to what the actual story mm-hmm. is. But splitting that up over three, like, little parts just made for yeah. a really confusing it, part it to remember. It over-serialized a serialized opening, yes. right? Yeah, absolutely, so, yeah. So, yeah. But uh, it makes me excited. Like, I was kind of on the fence. Like, of course, I'm going to pick it up because it's Kenny Johnson. But I was kind of on the fence about, like, okay – Am I going to feel this? But with this one, how she gets away, and then the fact that uh, I think it's the the John Stewart of that earth saying that she left her ring, right? And then it shows it shows like uh, she's using her old ring, and it almost looks like a star sa- sapphire kind of logo. Yeah, right? maybe, maybe this is the star sapphires so, went bad on this universe or something, right? And there's some tie to to that, right? So when it hits us, it, it's still going to be a mystery because uh, it ends with John and um, the the construct guy looking into the stars, and you get this purple star, right? Mm. In the in the and it's it's that ring, seemingly. So um, it's also Johnson playing with the whole idea of like an epic story, like an epic poem kind of deal too. Yeah, so, I think, do you know, it's always so I'm funny. Excited to see where this goes. I think what's so funny is if you if you condense this into just two parts, like two backup parts, mm-hmm. and you cut out most of the stuff that was the fighting, and you had part mm-hmm. one was just all the stuff that was with John and his mum for the first two parts yeah. as one one part, and then this one you just see the end of this fight. There's a few pages, and just because because I feel like I didn't really learn much in those first two issues when it came to mm-hmm. like the stuff with the fighting. Everything I learned, I learned from this last part. So have that, and then this, the, what's actually in this here, where it cuts back to John and Guy talking about how he's struggling. It, that would be enough. That would be like that would set up everything. I, I feel like it suffered by having to stretch that fighting stuff yeah. over three parts. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, feel, feeling pretty optimistic about this uh, this new book now, actually. So yeah, me too. That is that is good. Uh, so what are you rating Green Lantern issue three overall? Uh, I'm gonna give this overall an eight point five. Okay, I think I'll I think I'll just go to straight eight. But I do really like a lot of it. I like the art, Zermanico. Like I say, that first mm-hmm. page of Hal falling through the sky is gorgeous. Yeah. But um, well, this has been the best of the backups because it did sort of like give it context and make me excited mm-hmm. for the, the the book that it's leading into. It still wasn't like like super fulfilling, and I think it still maybe dips it down a little bit. Uh, and like I say, the ending did feel a little abrupt to the main story, so uh, I'll just go with the eight out of ten. But I did like a lot of the things in there, uh, especially the mm-hmm. Hal and Carol conversation. I thought was really, really good. It really sold how much of a serious big deal Sinestro is, and I think that's really good and smart. Yeah. So cool. Uh, World's finest Teen Titans issue three. Mark Wade writing with Emanuela Lupacino on the art. So, this is Titans Con. Uh, we ended mm-hmm. last issue with them all being excited. Well, except Robin, of course. Uh, yeah. Dick's not too thrilled about it, but they all go to Titans Con. 
unannounced. The, the book opens with them saying how oh, all the fans mm-hmm. are going to freak out because they don't know we're mm-hmm. coming. Uh, and basically, this issue is Mark Wade m- making fun <laughs> of conventions for like two thirds of it. Of, of like con culture. Yeah. Right? It's basically yeah. people try to skip lanes and everyone like one of the first things that's said when they land is one of the bu- speech bubbles from the crowd is are they here for saturday or saturday and sunday <laughs> like, yeah they like, only have tickets to saturday or they only have tickets to sunday something along those lines yeah um but yeah um so the, the whole con culture thing i think is hilarious um as as well as the wade uh writing that's kind of hard to say wade wade writing uh, like the youth speech is still a little bit off for me, right? Because because you know what? I think the one thing that stuck out to me is at one uh-huh. point uh, Bumblebee uh, uh-huh. says that uh, or so someone no, they're talking about Bumblebee and mm-hmm. uh, no 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 there's Bumblebee. Sorry, sorry, I'm getting confused. Uh, yeah. So basically, Donna Troy has been whisked away by all her fans, and Bumblebee yeah. sa- says to Garth. Um, you better be careful. And he says something. He's like, no, I don't mean that. I mean all these horny fans that are around. Yeah. And I was like, that felt weird, having just one of the yeah. characters talk about everyone being it's, horny. <laughs> well, it's like this. Yeah, it says, you better watch out for your lady, Garth. And he's like, yeah, she can take care of herself. I meant in a sea of good-looking, horny fans who do not ship you two. And that was, that was the yeah. one I was like, oh, man. That, that, that felt a little bit like, yeah, an older man's trying to sound hip. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, the stuff at the... The stuff at the the panels where everything is kind of overwhelming, um, yeah, and the, all of that. The, the panel is Donna basically, mm-hmm. he, like she gets dragged to this panel about her, and then the panel mm-hmm. turns into being, is she like a hero or is she just this like, uh, was it pixie dream girl? I think they said manic pixie dream girl. Yeah, yeah, and people, you know, people are taking sides and and stuff, and she's trying to to speak, and they're not letting her. They're, right. they're basically debating if she's yeah. actually a person or just some mm-hmm. male fantasy, and right. she's just sitting there. Str- it's very meta in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but it's 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 this idea. I think the reason why it works and doesn't feel cheap is because yes, it is meta, but it also mm-hmm. works in the context of if you become a celebrity or mm-hmm. or, pers- or just a persona on the internet. Mm-hmm. And people start talking about you. You start to get talked about not as a person, but as just a character in their lives. Mm-hmm. And I think it works in that context as well, and you know, in the context of the universe as well. So that's you know that that stuff's good. Uh, for me though, the, the the stuff that I really liked here was uh, was was Dick. You know, he he isn't there. He's with Batman. Yeah. And he's talking about how he he understands why they're kind of drawn to the the cheers and stuff because you know he was in the circus. He mm-hmm. he kind of longs for the roar of the crowd. He remembers what that felt like. Um. Uh, but what I really liked about this, though, is not only are we advancing that storyline, but later on when he eventually shows up to help save the mm-hmm. day and lead them when, when they're in battle, um, mm-hmm. I love that there's a nerd dressed as like in a really crappy Robin suit who's disappointed that Dick's not there early on. But when uh-huh. Robin shows up, he's like in the panel looking up at him like he, like, like he's his idol. And I, I just thought yeah. that, it's like he doesn't say anything in that scene or that panel. He's just looking at him. But it just it made me laugh because it was like, okay, they're they're there's just like a, a, a nice through line it's same as same as well when uh roy is showing off with uh doing like tricks with the arrows yeah. and wally switches all his arrows around so they end up he ends up setting off the wrong thing he, he covers all mm-hmm. the fans in oil instead of setting off fireworks 
Yeah. And there's just a random voice at the back of the crowd going, Robin should keep you in line. Yeah. <laughs> and because, because Roy's been the one who's been like clashing with Robin constantly throughout this mm-hmm. book so far, that really made me laugh. Uh, yeah. But the, uh, the main plot, once it gets going, though, is that there's actually a very creepy uh, fan who thinks he's in love with uh, Bumblebee and mm-hmm. shows up uh, and there's basically you know he's touching her arm he's saying that you know he understands her he's calling her doll and when wally tries to sort of interject to sort of like you know help her get rid of him he starts using powers to fight them and he basically turns um all the various collectibles and toys into large versions that start fighting the titan so there's like a large Mm -hmm. donna troy that's fighting the real donna troy Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a batmobile chasing down uh, Wally, and it's somehow going just as fast as him. Because it's magic, I guess, is the yeah. answer well, to that. And that's, and that's what he says, yeah. So we get a, a clip of this guy. He's got, like, a a long scarf, and he's, like, it looks like practicing magic, looking at, like, runes and stuff on his computer before he leaves. Yeah, see, so when we first saw him, I thought he looked kind of like, is this young toy man? And the fact that they keep, they, they keep calling yeah. him, uh, but toy... Toy boy. Toy boy, so I... I was getting the impression maybe he is mm-hmm. Toy Man, but Toy Man doesn't use magic for these things. Toy Man doesn't use magic, and Toy Man's name is not Sherman. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah. So it's I was when, at, so it was remaining well. a Toy Man, but he's not Toy Man. And I think that's I think that's the point is because this is uh, we see where he'll go when we get to there. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a, a subplot going on, um, but the fact that he's using magic and he's living with his mom, and she's like, "Don't forget to do whatever." He's like, "Yeah, whatever, mom. I'm I'm going I off." Mean, right. Let's be honest. He's an incel. That's what this character is. He's he's <laughs> yeah. And it's because of his actions with, with Bumblebee and all of that stuff. I thought that was, like, despite being real creepy, I the what Wade was saying about, like, parasocial relationships and it going back into what Batman's trying to tell Robin about, you guys are out there too much. you got to, you know, you got to pull it back because you guys are heroes. You're not celebrities. Yeah. You know, like, you have, a, you have to do a job. Uh, and stuff. So I, I really like how he tied that together. And Batman, this toy boy character. Yeah, and Batman's worried about the secret identities, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dick yep. says, yeah, but isn't it good to have us out there letting them know that we're there, that so mm-hmm. they know that we'll show up when they need help? Isn't that important yep. too? And yeah, that's a, you know, it's a classic debate between like it's like a Batman Superman debate, effectively. Yep. Uh, but yeah, when Dick shows up, he starts giving out orders, which you know make them win the fight because he's like, no, mm-hmm. you, you're focusing wrong. He's using his hands, so make you know ties hands together uh yeah. he swaps people around in terms of who they're fighting uh b gets to punch the guy because uh, she's earned the punch uh yeah. and gives him a harsh lesson um uh so there's a couple of epilogues here at the end where dick is talking to uh i, I in my head i keep calling him hawk boy but he's, was it golden it's golden eagle golden but eagle, yeah i'm gonna call there, there's a there's a hawk man hawk woman hawk girl why can't he be Hawk Boy? He's Hawk Boy. That's, I mean, that's yeah. effectively what he is, even though he doesn't use that yeah. name. Uh, but he points out that Dick is the only one who's not going home. Like, it's, so it's almost like there's trouble at home and he doesn't want to go back and yeah. face Batman. Uh, and Dick sort of like ends this scene like sitting down in the dark and it's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. It's like... So, it, you know, the idea of this tension's well, building, which, you know, is a classic Teen Titans thing, this idea that he's yeah. eventually going to choose to break away and become Nightwing. So Wade. it does make me wonder, is Wade going to tell, like, his version of that story throughout the course of this book? He might. Yeah, I, and I think it would feel earned, too, because we're seeing him constantly clash, and it is kind of that teenage where you clash with your parents where you think you know everything, right? Uh-huh. But, you know, as he proved here, you know, Batman does have a point, 
uh, of all of this. And if if they had listened to him from the beginning, you know, they wouldn't be in some of the problems that they're in. Um, but uh, it's it's also reestablishing the whole. I forget what book it was from, but it was. I think it was a retelling of that story where, where Dick's like, I'm tired of being the back end of Batman and Robin, right? He, he wants to be Batman with Robin at a certain point. And that's that whole teenage wanting relevance in, or, uh, yeah, relevance in their own life. He wants a sense of agency. Um, and so him telling that through here, like that panel of him sitting there in the dark by himself, right? Everyone else has gone home, but he's kind of dreading it. He doesn't want to go back and face Batman. And again, it's another very youthful type I mean, thing. that makes me think of, like, when either someone doesn't want to go home, either because their parents are abusive or because mm-hmm. the parents are constantly fighting, so they don't want to be around yeah. it. Now, obviously, yeah. we know that's not exactly what's happening with him, mm-hmm. but it be, it conjured up images of that in my head yeah. because that's what it made me think of. Yeah. So, it's interesting. Uh, the final epilogue is this shadowy figure showing up and freeing uh-huh. this uh, this villain from the issue. Toy boy. Yeah, yeah. toy boy. And basically saying that he's inviting him to join the Terror Titans. Um, now, the end of the last issue did have like a figure in like the, the trees watching the Titans mm-hmm. as they got on their jet. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if that's meant to be the same character. There's this, but... You probably it probably is the only reason why I'm doubting yeah. it is because here he's got a really smooth head like he's bald but in the last yeah. book he kind of had like you know it was like he had hair in the silhouette yeah. so I'm not sure if it's meant to be the same character but so I, I... remember too at the end of the first issue there was that uh, henchman for for Two Face that also got picked up that's right that's right yeah. yeah 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 and it was the same same kind of vibe as this one because this guy looks terrified right like yes he got freed. But whoever this person is, it seems like they have electrical, you know, you would think electrical powers, right? From the lightning coming off of there. And it's like he's, he tells them, you have potential, you're part of my team now. Where he's not even giving him a choice. Yeah, He's yeah. just saying, you know, I, I got you out of, you know, that. So, um, but looking up, there has been a Terror Titans, I remember from, was it from the Johns run? Or it was around the Johns run, and that's yeah. where we got... The idea um, of Terror Titans is not new, although when I yeah. looked up DC Wiki for something, mm-hmm. it did note down that this character is new. This is a first appearance. Yeah. So yeah, Of Toy Boy. Yeah, so that's yeah. what I'm looking at. Is there was, uh, the original members were Clock King, Dreadbolt, um, Copperhead, Persuader, and Disruptor, right? Uh, and then, of course, Ravager. Um, but uh, that was all part of, that was part of a different story. But yeah, so I mean, this is something I'm sure wholly new. Um, but the fact that with the electrical powers, it does make me think this is Dreadbolt in some form mm-hmm. uh, coming in. So, but yeah, no, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Lupacino's art too is fantastic. This, the expressions, you know, we talked about yeah. the the distraught Robin, everything before the bad stuff happens at the con, you know, kind of the goofy looks on all the Titans' faces. Um, like that scene where where Wally switches the arrows on Roy, just his kind of look away. Hey, I'm not doing anything wrong. Yeah, which uh, comes back up during the fight as well because mm-hmm. he goes to yeah. get another arrow and he ends up using <laughs> like a mop arrow. Why, why do you even have a mop arrow yeah, anyway? That's... Why is that in there? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But that that's a good comedy beat during the action, mm-hmm. and I really like the scene where he's, where Dick's talking to Batman and then he, he sort of imagines he's in the circus again for a minute and does like a jump. Mm-hmm. Because it just sort of like really flowed nicely and sort of gave this idea that he's living in a memory right now as he's talking to him and 
Uh, just a way it felt very natural. Uh, mm-hmm. like I can almost imagine a scene in a movie where the character is just walking through the room and it turns into the the, the memory, the and then they uh-huh. walk back out of it as they're finishing their story. It just gave me that kind of vibe, which is kind of yeah. cool. But yeah, they are. Yeah, they are really good. Uh, mm-hmm. n- n- nothing to yeah. complain about. Uh, yeah, no, it's just a solid issue. I've been, I've been enjoying Teen Titans. I'm enjoying what it's building to because it's had kind mm-hmm. of a clear this conflict with like Dick clashing with the others because how he does things differently as a leader because of how he's been trained by batman that that sort of push and pull has been very well focused yeah. on and then obviously you've also got this building of the terror titans now kind of sort of yeah. accumulating well, and now that you say that too it is kind of like it's almost like he took the lessons here and applied them to the new teen titans when he becomes nightwing right mm. when starfire starfire and beast boy cyborg raven they all show up you know, it's like, oh, I, I learned from the first go around, you know, and this is how he can do things different. So I like that Wade's playing a little bit with that as well. Yeah, that's true. He's not oh, yeah. te- technically he's not meant to become Nightwing until after the New Teen Titans or a thing. So maybe Wade mm-hmm. won't do that version of the mm-hmm. story. But then again, if he's yeah. re, you know, he's he's played with the the timeline so much. Yeah, who knows? Know. Maybe you'll still as long as he it. executes it well. I don't I don't mind. Yeah, it wouldn't yeah. bother me that much. But uh, it is worth noting that technically that didn't happen until the second incarnation mm-hmm. of the Teen Titans. Uh, so what are you giving World's Finest Teen Titans issue three? I'm gonna give this an eight point five. Yeah, I can agree with that. Eight point five sounds mm-hmm. good to me. Uh, and then we go on to Danger Street, issue 9, Tom King and Jorge Fornes. And of course, last issue, it felt like we were building up to this Clash of the Titans. It was building up to Manhunter mm-hmm. versus Codename Assassin. And uh, did I even speculate that the entire issue might be just their fight? Did I say that? I don't know if I did. but I don't think so, but if you did, I don't think you thought it was going to be a philosophical... <laughs> no conundrum that is super dense and, and takes a while to read I mean, if i didn't say it i wasn't surprised like once yep. i was a few pages no. in, i was like oh wait this is going to be the whole issue this is going to be just I, them debating as they fight i definitely swelled myself to see how long this was the fight was going to go and saw the end of the fight before however i was still shocked by the turn of events because of what they're saying and what what actually goes down yeah. in this fight. I think first things first though, we have to point out this is the only issue of this book that has not started from uh, the Helmet of Fate talking right? to the reader. That That's just not here, you know? Despite being called Dr. Fate in yeah. chapter 9, Dr. Fate. Which is funny because it's the only uh-huh. issue where he's not uh, you know, referenced uh-huh. in at all in any way. But um, yeah, so basically they're fighting on a rooftop as the cover would imply. It's a gorgeous cover mm-hmm. as well. Oh my God, um, yeah. And they basically... It's, it's basically them debating who's got the advantage, what the rules of the fight are, and kind of... So, so Codename Assassin is basically saying, I've got an advantage here, and Manhart's like, how so? Explain. And he's like, well, your goal is to kill uh, the, 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 Com- Commodore. the Commodore, right? For the green team. And mm-hmm. that means you have to win, right? So Because there's three outcomes to the fight. Either I die, mm-hmm. you die, or we both die. So Mm -hmm. the only way you can achieve your goal is if you live, which is only one of the three outcomes. Mm -hmm. But my goal is just to kill you. So even if I die too, I've still won. (laughs) The odds, yeah, the odds are in my favor. Right. And yeah, all I have to do is beat you. You have to do so much more. Um, So so that's where they start getting onto that philosophical 
you know, as they are fighting, which is a, a cool yeah, type thing. I was getting kind of Highlander vibes. They, they start fighting, and they're kind of just going back and forth, where he's like, yeah, but if you have this advantage, then technically... Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I can't even remember how it went back and forth the entire he's, time. So they're talking about too. He's like, well, if you have the statistical advantage, then then by just by me, you know, defying the odds, it, it's a that means that a tie cannot you by winning by a tie doesn't necessarily mean you win because you already have an advantage, and that's kind of like cheating. And their code name is that's like, well, there's no cheating in our line of work. Yeah, well, well it, it gets to that, but it also gets to the <laughs> idea that well, if you have an advantage. And mm-hmm. you're part of the reason why you want to win is because mm-hmm. of pride, because you have to mm-hmm. know you can win. Can mm-hmm. you really accept that pride if you come into right. this with a you know a two to one advantage of how advantage. to succeed? And mm-hmm. so, but it goes back and forth like this. Like this is a very dialogue heavy issue because it is them debating mm-hmm. back and forth about the rules of the fight and what constitutes a victory and what would satisfy either one of them as a victory. Mm-hmm. And that's so much. And so so we get about a third in, and uh, Assassin gets knocked down, and it's like, okay, how about we, uh, you know, have a parlay, and we, mm-hmm. we, we take a rest, because obviously we're pretty evenly matched. That's, you know, that's... <laughs> this that, is going to go on all day. Let's yeah. take a break. Let's regroup, you know, yeah. chug some water, enjoy the sunset. Because at one point, Codename Assassin basically says, because... Yeah, one of the arguments that uh, Manhunter has is that, well, if you die in a tie, you're you're trying to tell me that's an equal win for you, but it's not really because all that money he's yeah. paying you to kill me, you won't be able to actually use, so you're right. not really getting the success. And Assassin's rebuttal to that is that yes, but money can you know inheritance, it can go to people that I care about, it can go to your family, my name and money can live on, and Assassin's like, in our line of work, we don't have families. That's bullshit, yeah. and he's yeah. like. Yeah, you're right. We don't. <laughs> like, so it's this back and forth. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like a witty back and forth, but it's like they're both speaking very like proper, and they're both yeah. like trying to outsmart each other. Um, it's. I'm not gonna lie. It was a tough read for me, right? Uh, and but you know what got me through is knowing that if Connor is reading this, how much he would hate it. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, because I went as soon as I was finished. I was like, man, this was dense it was uh, yeah it's definitely dense right but i think it's a really fulfilling issue Mm -hmm. because even if you take in every little thing they're saying to each other Mm -hmm. the back and forth like gets to the point where i almost started laughing at some of the outcomes to some of these things where Mm -hmm. like when they have this parlay like halfway through and like they go and sit at the edge of the 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 roof and mm-hmm. they start just talking about who they are and how they get into this. You know, Manhunter's talking about the first time he killed someone and how all that training's led to this. Mm-hmm. Assassin's talking about his first kill. And I really liked, actually, that they're sort of taking swigs of this whiskey. And it's when he passes yeah. the flask that this, the, the, it, it, it becomes Manhunter, or sorry, uh, Assassin's turn to tell his story. And he yeah. does. And it's all this very pleasant thing. And Assassin... Uh, you know, he doesn't, he still thinks he has the advantage. They still have to do this, but he claims he's not a narcissist. It's not about ego. Yeah. And Manhart's like, you know what? We only care about the outcome. We could fight for ages. Let's just toss a coin. Yeah. <laughs> and whoever loses has to jump off the roof. Let's just do that. And I love that. I love that Codename Assassin's No, I have the advantage. I'm not giving it to a coin flip. Yeah, I've We're got, not doing this. Yes, I have a two yeah. and three advantage right now, and yeah. what you're proposing is 50-50. So that is actually uh-huh. worse odds for me. 
and we're almost at Steiner math, bud. <laughs> and th- this is where Assassin shows off his telekinesis powers, and he starts yep. like floating the coin, and then he floats mm-hmm. Assassin, and he holds Assassin out over the edge of the building. Yeah, Sorry, you, you keep flip, you keep, I keep flipping, them. yeah. Sorry, yeah. Yep. Assassin's holding yeah, Manhunter right. with his mind over the end of the building, yep. and basically it says that once he closes his fist, he will drop to his death. Mm-hmm. And even while he's floating out there, like Manhunter's still speaking and sort of debating, like, yep. is this really a success for you? Does this prove anything? Is this a victory? You know, he's like, I knew, I knew you had telekinesis, and I was wondering when you were going to get to use it. So, you you were having an advantage. Of course, you're going to beat me. Yeah, and, but uh, I'm, and counti- like, oh, yeah, I'm counting right. on your hubris and not mm-hmm. being satisfied that you're going to win that way, that yeah. that's going to stop you. And then he closes his fist, and we get this great page where he's fallen to his death, mm-hmm. and uh, the assassin like starts talking to the Commodore, and he's, he's a headset, and he's like, yeah, you know, update. And the, like, the Commodore's just complain about being hungry and wanting to go get fries with <sighs> different sauces, and... Yeah. He picks assassin picks up the coin and decides just before Manhunter hits the, the the ground that he's not happy with this. So he holds him in place and he tosses the coin that he's you know that was left up there. Mm-hmm. And basically this is decided that he's gonna bring Manhunter back up to actually finish the fight properly. Mm-hmm. Uh so he does. He brings him back up. And Manhunter never acts scared. He never acts like he was worried that he was about to die. He's just like, no. I knew you'd want to finish the fight. <laughs> so mm-hmm. now we continue. Well, um, I like before he drops him too, uh, Codename Assassin is like, we were evenly matched. A tie is a win for me. You're at a disadvantage. Yet you knew I'd cheat. And in relying on the cheat, I'd lose. You're very clever. I like you. <laughs> right? So he's just like, okay. It's 4D chess. Kind of, it's 4D chess yeah. and I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like too that he's kind of like, I like the cut of your jib. I owe you, you know, if we're going to kill each other, I owe you a good death, not dropping you, yeah. you know. Well, That's kind of what makes it click that he can't just let him fall, right? Yeah. And then the Commodore, you know, whining about fry sauces kind of sets him over. He's like, what, what am I doing with my life? You know, I, I deserve a good death too. Yeah, and you know? basically, I think they both realize this is the first time they've ever met a mutual who has a similar mm-hmm. experience to themselves. They've never yeah. met someone who's grown up being an assassin like they have. Right. So there's this kind of weird respect that's happening as the fight continues. But, yeah. of course, just before it's about to start again, Manhunter throws his sword at Assassin and impales uh. him, and he's like, well, did I just break the rules? Because technically, we didn't say the parlay was over. But we never we had like a you know an assumption of rules. We didn't really right. settle on we a contract. We never shook on it, yeah. right? Like, yeah. It, and now he's kind of becoming the dirtbag, but yeah, you know, now he's it's kind of like, well, no, uh huh. Well, and cheating was always going to be a part of it, right? So, is it cheating if you're expecting to cheat? If both sides can cheat. Is it cheating? And now we're at 5D right? chess. We're going to be at 6D uh-huh. chess in a minute. And Just he, the fact when he throws it like that, all I could think of was Charlie <laughs> yelling wild card. Right? Like, And uh, yeah, so Asa- uh, Manhunter walks over to Assassin who's crawling mm-hmm. towards his sword that he's dropped because he's yep. been stabbed. And mm-hmm. Manhunter picks it up. He holds it above his head. And just as he's bringing it down, um, Assassin pulls the sword that's in his stomach out and cuts off Manhunter's leg. And mm-hmm. this is the point when they're both lying there in pools of their own blood, where I went, 
this is like an absurdly gory version of that fight from They Live with uh, Roddy Piper mm-hmm. and Keith David. Mm-hmm. That's what this yeah. is. And it's at this point where I started finding it funny. And I don't think it's unintentional. I think at yeah. a certain point, you're meant to see like... It, How it, absurd all this violence is, right? It, yeah, it, it's, like, it's like a really intentional contrast between... Mm-hmm. How smart they're trying to sound while they're talking mm-hmm. to each other, and just how downright absurd the violence is, and how yeah. they're they're still trying to fight when one of them's been stabbed in the stomach and the other one's hobbling on one leg. You know, <laughs> well, they're both known as the knights, right? That's what the the helm of fate calls them. Yes, yeah, right. So this also goes into that where like the idea of a knight is this warrior, right, that goes out and and fights for the person or for the side, the, the realm they represent. But in that war, they're going to do unhonorable things or dishonorable things, you know? And so this kind of just doubles down on that, which I didn't think of until just right now. Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, Manhunter throws himself, uh, assassin, and they both mm-hmm. basically stab each other again here. And mm-hmm. they're lying on the ground and like sort of there's like a vignette effect where it's like the light's shrinking. Mm-hmm. And basically what's happened here is they both die. They're, you know, yeah. Like, it's, it's a little bit ambiguous, but they're effectively both in the afterlife. And the debate keeps going where, uh, you know, Assassin's like, well, I won because it was a tie. We both died, mm-hmm. and therefore you didn't kill the Commodore, so I succeed. And this is and this is where we're at 7D chess, because now mm-hmm. Manhunter's like, aha, but I knew this was a possibility. I let you think you had the advantage that if it was mm-hmm. a tie, that you automatically win. But I have made allies. I, I have I have joined a team since the last mm-hmm. couple issues, and they are going to finish the job. Now your you know your uh, liege or whatever you want to call the Commodore, yeah. he is now unprotected, and they're going to kill him. And uh-huh. I just again I started laughing at this point because I'm like, ha ha ha, we're both dead, and you thought a tie would be your victory, but no 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 no, I won because uh-huh. I already thought of this. Yeah, turns out what you thought was my goal actually wasn't my goal at all. My goal was to kill you, so therefore I win. But right, like yeah. yeah. But what's wild about it is that this kind of sort of leads to this like sense of respect, where mm-hmm. he's like, "I'm sorry about your leg." Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "My failure to protect my limb is not your problem." Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Would just... you like your sword back? <laughs> uh, <laughs> also, Manhunter using the the sword kind of as a crutch. There's that where he says everything hurts. I also, to, to bring this to a little bit of wrestling, it made me think of John Moxley, mm. right? Like, he's just covered in blood, and he's he's holding himself up on a weapon, right, to keep this, you know, fa- not facade, but just keep that image of this, you know, kind of barbaric uh, way of life, and it, it was very, very funny. Yeah, um, and I think the inclusion of the coin and the idea that maybe we'll just mm-hmm. end this with a coin toss is the idea that these two people, like... That, they're fighting on the sides they're on because of fate, but they could easily mm-hmm. just be switched around. And, like, he mm-hmm. could be protecting the Commodore. Assassin could be the one coming after him. Like, it's just, like, fate. It's the, it's the toss of the coin is what's put them on the path to some extent that they're on. I think that's partially why that's such a heavy theme in this issue. Um, but, um, but, yeah... <laughs> it's, it's funny because it's, it's like yeah even right at the very end like assassin's child try mm-hmm. to say that he's kind of like won ultimately because yeah. he's figured out uh, manhunter's whole shtick um but yeah so it, i don't know it's it's good um yeah they're, they're still questioning what winning means in the context of this mm-hmm. right to the very last panel 
and then the final line is heads or tails because he's, he's going to toss mm-hmm. the coin again uh, to see who won. And basically, it, it, it's the perfect if you if you want to give us a fight where no one ever truly wins because there was never like yeah. they're, because they're equal matches. Like this issue did that perfectly. Yeah. Um, it was funny. It was uh, it was thrilling at points, but it was definitely funny and very thematically kind of interesting to read. Mm-hmm. And they did a good job of building to this, so it felt like an ultimate big showdown. Um, yeah. So I will agree, it's a little dense and wordy in places, mm-hmm. and there's so many speech bubbles that you know my eyes did sort of gloss over a couple yeah. times whilst trying to read it. But overall, I would say it's a really strong yeah. issue. Yeah, and and Fornes's art too. I he has to work with so many boxes, right? Oh yeah. And and what I like best about Fornes is is the way that he's able to put a lot of detail into a small area, right? So like in in the Rorschach book, right? We would have these, you know, big pages that we could hyper focus on certain things in those. And here he kind of does the same thing because it never doesn't feel like an action scene, even though it's not like super dynamic layouts. It's still, you know, grid patterns. And if if I'm looking at it, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of variance here. No, every page is an eight-panel grid. It, yeah, again, it it's, it's that idea that they're evenly matched, so every single yeah. page is symmetrical is as far as the yeah. uh, the panels are concerned. And yeah. it, it, not, not only is it an eight-panel grid in every single page, pretty much, well, maybe not when they're fighting per se, but every single time right. they're having a conversation, it's literally all the Manhunter yeah. panels are on the left and all the Assassin yeah. panels are on the right, like throughout the entire book. Yeah. So it's very well made. I didn't think about that until now, too, because I got so caught up in what was being said versus how it looked. Um, and that was pretty genius on, on their part, on their creative's part. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. even, even when Manhunter's fallen to his death, they still mm-hmm. devote all the panels on that side to showing him falling, right. uh, whilst yep. the Assassin's on the other side talking to Commodore. Yeah. Uh, so, wow. yeah. I mean, the only, the only real complaint I have is that I did miss some of the other characters by obviously not yeah. having them in this issue, but this was the right choice to focus on this to such an extent. Mm-hmm. It, it made it feel like a special issue. And I love that, yeah. you know, you see it in movies sometimes where like, the two people who are about to fight, like sit down for a quiet conversation first. Mm-hmm. And there's this like shared respect. I'm, I'm thinking like some of the John Wick movies kind of have this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was getting or, kind of vibes even that. in heat, right. With Pacino and De Niro sitting at the diner. Yeah. There's like a start of sense of respect because they, yeah. they can see how like sort of wise and, skilled mm-hmm. the other person are and that it's a mm-hmm. you know a, a formidable foe uh yeah. you know to go up and do battle against uh yeah i dug all that a lot so nope it uh, really, really made me care about these two characters who i don't really like i remember codename assassin from some of the uh you know superman stuff he was a back like a, a backup character I mean, that basically goes for every character in this book though right no i know but like i don't know because because like metamorpho right he was a character okay 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 okay, sure you can say like metamorpho and maybe like starman orion but yeah come on now the dingbats lady cop like the like we didn't care about any of these characters but up until no but up until that i didn't know those characters existed right codename assassin and mantor manhunter both are both characters that i am aware of but had no thoughts on okay right my manhunter is not this man it's not mark specter it's it's the lady one, the the lawyer, right? Yeah. That's the manhunter that I came in reading. That's who I associate with the name. So the fact like we got the story of these two warriors 
you know, having this philosophical debate as they are trying to kill one another. And it made me care about both of them and kind of sad that, you know, if that's it, right, they both died. And now they're in this purgatory uh, because of all the bad things they've done, but they're there together. You know, it makes me kind of sad that that's the way that they go out. Yeah, was, were, you know. Yeah, obviously we didn't talk about every, literally every little thing they mm-hmm. said, but there was a there was a little bit of the conversation in the middle about where they're mm-hmm. heading to when they die yeah. that was sort of brought up in the yeah. middle. So, yeah. no, I yeah, it's a special issue that I think feels unique, and I love that uh, King and Fornes chose to do mm-hmm. it this way because uh, yeah. you know even if it isn't perfect from like a like a reading from page to page yeah. kind of thing. I can appreciate the artistry in it. And yeah, I think it'll, and it'll read better as well on a repeat read, I think. I think when you read this a second so too, time, it'll it just flow so really well. Dense and I'm trying to read and take in everything they're saying. And it's it's a lot. And at points, it reminded me of the end of Matrix Reloaded with the architect and ergo vis-a-vis. I mean, it wasn't nearly that bad in Inane. But man, there's so much no. in there. Well, no, because the, the conversation here was good for a yes. start. Well, that's, that's what I mean. But that's the only thing that I can you know, compare it to that, that first came to mind. Um, but yeah, but when, when I said it was dense, like for Connor to jump in there, and go, Oh, like a Tom King comic. And necessarily was, I wasn't saying it was bad. It was just, I felt like I went through an experience reading it. And if that was what Fornes and King wanted, then mission accomplished. Yeah, they, want, they wanted this fight to feel like an experience mm-hmm. from start to yeah, finish. And, and that's, and that's how I feel. Right. I felt like drained kind of towards the end of it. Um, and like again, I, I came into this thinking like I don't know if I like this one. Maybe this is the first one. I'm not gonna give, you know, the, the full full marks. But thinking about like stuff I wasn't I didn't even pick up on like the panel breakdowns, yeah. right? And how they're they're evenly spaced out, and uh, and the way that they are, it's all eight panels across the way. In my head, some of them are bigger. This but is they're not, this know? is uh, Thanos's favorite issue. Yeah. It's perfectly balanced as all things should be. As all things should be. And what did it cost them? Everything. Everything. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you know. Oh, dear. Um, No. uh, You know, these King Prestige books continue to be some of the highlights of the past few years. Yeah. Um, And obviously, we got Penguin now. We got uh, his Wonder Woman run coming. We'll see how that Mm -hmm. does. But... uh, Danger Street has been has been exceptional and it's been very different from yeah. his other books as well, which has been really nice. So, Matt, what are you giving Danger Street issue nine? I think I'm going to give us a nine. A yeah. nine for the nine. Yeah, no, I'm giving it a nine too. Like, mm-hmm. I, I love the idea of doing a bottle issue where it's just the one fight taking the whole time. Mm-hmm. I think that's, like, if you've built up to it the way this has, I think that's the perfect choice. Yeah. It is a little dense. It is a little mm-hmm. wordy in places. Uh, but I think like the absurdity of it and how much they were talking to each other became really funny the more i read mm-hmm. it and well, it fit when, into you, it. when you made the they live reference it, it clicked i didn't think of that initially yeah but it is it is just so it goes so far beyond what we would expect it, that it starts to be funny yeah it's that but it's arguably more verbal than it is fist yes. fighting because they kind of stop yeah. and the, but the fight continues in words and then yeah. they yeah they keep going yeah. so um all right, there you go. That's, uh, that's the book. So that'll take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff of the week, favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art in the top five books, mm-hmm. or top four in this case because it was a lighter week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what was your panel slash moment, Matt? Um, I, I do like uh, Manhunter standing with the sword and missing a, a leg, using it like a crutch. Mm-hmm. Uh, also Manhunter throwing the sword 
was a was a good moment. But mine's gonna be from uh, Green Lantern, and it's the opening where where Hal's falling, and he's trying to piece together. You know, he has to jumpstart the ring with with willpower. I thought that was really solid, a very key mark or hallmark uh, Hal Jordan moment. Yeah, I'm actually also going to go with Green Lantern. I'm going to go mm-hmm. with the conversation with Carol when they mm-hmm. realized Sinestro's involved. I thought that was handled very well. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason why I'm not picking something from Danger Street is because honestly, it's hard to pick one moment because it is just one big yeah. scene. Like, there's, no, yep. there's not like one panel where I'm like, oh, that's the moment of the air. Like, it's yeah. all very even. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's my pick. Uh, cover of the week um i haven't really had the chance to look at them properly yet yeah. but uh yeah because we we this was for the first time in a while we've read everything yeah uh, the same well it was easy so, when there's only four but yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. uh i mean honestly it's probably the regular danger street cover because that it's, it's just the building with the lightning strike yeah. with these two little silhouettes fighting on top it is the is and the fact not only that the lightning's like making the 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 title like shatter which Move. is just, yeah. yeah so that's gorgeous if i'm glancing at the rest of them though uh mm-hmm. just to see what else is here um uh, green lantern has some good ones there's a, a doc shaner uh that, that's very much will be the you know if they ever do like green lantern and the silver age reprints i can see shaner having this oh, yeah. one um and then the the gabriel rodriguez it's got hal with a, a purple jet behind him with the orange sky just the way that the colors pop in that one um Sure, I, sure. I really enjoy. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, yeah, it's, it's just Danger Street for me. I think. Um, do you know there's a cover for uh, Teen Titans which I think is almost really good, but Donna's face is just the one that's kind of yeah. letting it down. I think it's, it's the uh, Dan Panosian. Panosian. Yeah, cover mm-hmm. where it's this sort of beautifully painted thing, and they all look great except Donna, who looks like she's. Yeah. She looks like a cartoon character from like I don't know. There's, there's Benny Rebel vibes a little bit. Yeah, you know? like the the rest of them all look really moody and mm-hmm. like it's like a really serious Titans cover, mm-hmm. which admittedly is not really the tone of the book per se. But no, it, but it it also looks kind of like Norman Rockwell, like the way that yeah. the, the the shadows and the colors are working together. Um, but but Don- yeah, also go ahead. I was gonna say yeah, but Donna just sticks out as looking like yeah. she doesn't fit with the rest yeah. of them. Uh, um, so, so Shaner said, I saw, uh, when, when the, all of the, uh, solicits, uh, solicits came out yesterday, uh, Shaner had said that he has designed all of his covers to actually make one big cover. So not like a, like a triptych kind of thing, but the way that they're positioned, they're meant to mm. go together for a cover. And he hopes that he's able to put them to layer them all. So you can see the image and he gave the image of what it's supposed to look like. Oh, so hopefully okay. maybe if the first, uh, you know, collection of it will have that cover. But I, as much as I like his covers on this, they are kind of, you know, a lot of white space. Yeah. Uh, on them and stuff. So. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Top or uh, best art of the week. We're on. Do I want to be controversial and not give it to Fornes and, and give it to Desermanico or Lupacino? I, honestly, I don't know. We are a little spoiled for art this week because, like, mm-hmm. all three of them are on a regular week could take it. Yeah. Uh, I think the subtleties probably mean Fornes just takes it. But Zermanico yeah. was really good this week, and Lupacino mm-hmm. was never a slouch. But I, no. I, th- I think Fornes probably takes it still this week. <sighs> yeah, because I'm just thinking, you're talking about it's a whole scene. 
that takes place over the issue. And it's hard to find those moments because it is, it's hard to find one singular moment because there's so many good ones. Right. Uh, yeah, I'll go Danger Street on that one. Yeah. Too. All right. Well, rank your four books. All right. So uh, number one, Danger Street, two, Green Lantern, three, Teen Titans, and four, Batman and Robin. Uh, as means uh, well, number one is Danger Street. Number two, uh, number two, Teen Titans. Three, Green Lantern. Four, Batman and Robin. So pretty similar. I just swapped two and three, mm-hmm. but they're pretty close yeah. to be fair. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, for a book, for a week with only four books, it was actually a pretty good uh, well, level of quality. And we were talking about the art. Imagine if we had Raphael Grandpa. I know. Two. I know. It would have been, we would have been spoiled. But uh, we'll have we'll have that next week. But speaking of next week, I'll tell you what's oh coming next week. So we'll be looking at the Batman book that came out this week from Raphael Grandpa because uh, mm-hmm. it came out digitally today, and we just didn't have time to fit it in before the show. So mm-hmm. that'll be in next week's uh, list, uh, along with uh, not that we do all the books, but this is everything coming out next week. Uh, we have Nightwing one hundred six. We have Batman Superman World's Finest nineteen. Superman issue six. Titans issue three. Catwoman fifty seven. Wonder Woman issue one. We have Batman Presents White Knight uh, Generation Joker. We have Hot Girl issue three. The Vigil issue five. Cyborg issue three. Green Lantern War Journal issue one. And Harley Quinn Black, White and Red are issue three. So, pretty busy week. Um, you know, we got a couple of issue ones that are definitely worth checking out. I'll probably still read Catwoman for the, uh, the Batman crossover. Yeah. Uh, I, I imagine I'm probably out in Hot Girl because I didn't really like issue two that much. Uh, yeah. So um, let let me know if you don't get to it because that that it won't be high in my priorities. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. But yeah. I mean, Wonder Woman and War Journal, I'm looking forward to. And world's uh, finest. Yeah, Titans mm-hmm. obviously is a, a Nightwing or obviously Nightwing. exciting. That books. Nightwing cover looks like something out of my nightmares, so I, I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, but yeah, that'll wrap up the show pretty much. Uh, let us know what you thought of your, your books this week and the comments or on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast uh, or on the Discord. Uh, you can support the show by going over to patreon.com slash TV and supporting over there for whatever amount per month. Uh, $5 and up, you get early access to the show whenever it's ready on the Saturday night. Uh, it varies a bit just depending on how long the show runs, uh, when we re- started recording and all these other factors. But it'll be there for you on Sunday morning uh, before everyone else has to wait till later in the day. So thank you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics. And remember to never get lost in the Speed Force.